Why don't we just call your doctor? Because you can't call my doctor on the weekends unless it's a life-threatening emergency. What? Yeah. If you call his machine, it'll tell you you can't page him. That's what it, that you called up and that's what it said? Yeah. That is obscene. You know that? Can't disturb the doctor on the weekend. Don't call the doctor Zappler on the weekend unless it's life-threatening. Norman! Okay. Is yeah, somebody calling? Yeah, I Who's it. calling? We're in the middle of dinner, Norman! This better be life-threatening, Norman! Are you not gonna leave this Wait, house? Come on, please. I'm begging you. Norman! Unless they were burned in a fire, I don't want you getting up from your chair. Do you understand, Norman? Ugh. Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Do You Respect Wood? A Curb Your Enthusiasm Retrospective. In this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into Larry David's hit comedy series, Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's certainly going to be more than one stop and chat as these two schmohawks dissect every single episode of the show. So sit down, have a donut, have a bagel, and enjoy. Milk and coffee. Who would have thought? All right. Welcome back. Uh, we are, if you have been paying attention, we are back from our mini summer hiatus. Um, we are covering today season one, episode nine, Affirmative Action. Uh, this episode was written by Larry David, and it was directed by Barry Gordon. Um, and I noticed that the, that's the first um, that Barry Gordon has direct uh, has kind of a different director for this episode. Um, and this original air date was December tenth of the year two thousand. Um, how you doing over there, right? Good, good. It's been a good, uh, good fast, but good summer so far. How about you? Yeah, same. It's funny. Um, Alice and I were talking about the other day about like how summer, you know, has that, you know, it's almost like a weekend vibe, right? When it comes to summer, but it's like we've entered August, which is like the Sunday yeah, of summer. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're like June is your Friday because it's like you still got some, you know, if you're a school teacher or if you're in school or whatever, you still have like obligations in the start of July. It's kind of like you're getting out of work at right. four or five, but then you have like that night and then Saturday is totally July. Like that has that oh, total yeah. vibe. Um, but Sunday is like, you're getting like those Sunday scaries and you're like, oh gosh, September's coming up pretty quick. And- <laughs> I know it's weird. It, I guess it, yeah, I guess that applies to like whether or not you're like a teacher and you get like summers off, but like even when you don't, it's like you're usually working like a lighter schedule or there's like more flex time. You're taking more days off. You go to the beach. Like it's all, you know, it's all, it's, it's like that for everybody. I would assume. Yeah. I mean, I even notice it in my practice where it's like a lot of people will miss a week here or there just because like they go on vacation so it's like it's this lighter I definitely see like a lower volume like I'm still there but it's like everyone else is like you know in that school like if you have children like you you kind of feel that I think more but because there's obviously like a large percentage of people that have like children are in that mode like you can't help but feel the ripple effects even if you're like a young adult working with no family it's like you're still gonna feel that vibe yep the summer vibe I love it um, Summer joy. I know, I know. And we we spent some time together. I came up to visit you for a couple of days a while back, and we one of these days we'll have to do a, an in person recording at some point. That'll be fun. Yeah, that would be cool. That really would have been the time to do it because you didn't come up with live, and we could have just carved out a little a little bit of time. But I think the, the weather was really yeah. nice, and we'd been so cooped up. Yeah, and it was stuff, cool. So it was, for we sure. Get out. Um, so how are you uh well do you have any first off do you want to lead us off with a, a curb moment it's been it's been a while i wonder if you have a lot yeah, of stories yeah i mean and it's not i i was going back and forth between a few but then like as i was like, getting ready for this episode 
it kind of reminded me of like Larry David with like the uh, the alarm clock, like that opening where he's like beating the alarm clock <laughs> yeah. to death and stuff. Like, like it was so ridiculous me trying to get ready for this episode because you were like, oh, you want to go for twelve or twelve thirty? And I was like, all right, let's go for twelve thirty. And it's just like everything that could like prevent me from being there at twelve thirty right. like happened, and like I was just like shoveling <laughs> food in my mouth. Like <laughs> you're like you you're like I'm waiting, like I'm here waiting in like the the you know the room for you to come on to do the, the podcast and I'm like oh shit so I'm just like eating faster and then I went downstairs in the basement and it's just like obviously we've, we're doing work down here so like the electrician like we, I can't just flip a light switch on so it's like I gotta plug like the oh, work God. lights in you're already sweating right now I, I was like yeah. oh yeah it's crazy and then like all of our outlets like half of them work but half of them don't so it's like I'm like plugging in like my wife was like using the computer like that I do the recording on so like when I grabbed it it was like almost dead so like I was like alright I gotta plug this thing in and then I couldn't find like the microphone. And as I'm like walking around trying to get it all set up, like in my basement, like I don't know why there's just like tons of cobwebs down here. I was here like just two days ago. Yeah. I was down here, and I'm like, I keep like wiping my face <laughs> from like cobwebs, and I keep looking at my time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's getting That's so awesome. late. And then as I'm like going down there, my wife's just like, she go, oh, I put a load of laundry in there, so it's like it's out that final spin. It's like, <laughs> it's like freaking out, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I could not it was I was like this would be like I haven't recorded in a while it should be like this seamless process and it's like nope so I can't wait for this to be finished and I'm moving into a new office um, in September so it'll be like my own space it'll be nice because I I might even keep my stuff there and just like when I'm done like seeing patients like I can just like have that be like my studio just because everything would be so readily available well in the words of Julio Louis-Dreyfus I can't stay now keep your appointments <laughs> <laughs> seriously that's what i thought you were gonna say you're like hey, it's all right I, I, I i'm kicking myself now because i should have sent sent you the uh judge Schmale's uh well we're waiting gif oh that's the best uh, that's one classic. of my favorite gifts. so um how about you what's going on in, in your well life? um it's not good it's not good um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like because we've had enough time, I went on uh, kind of a semi-vacation. We, My father-in-law rented a... Well, we were originally supposed to go to Italy, actually, a couple weeks ago. Um, but that trip had gotten kind of postponed to next summer. So in lieu of that, my... Um, you went to Little we Italy? We went to Little Italy, exactly. And uh, <laughs> just as good. And um, so we went to Situate, Massachusetts, which is a uh, one of the many, you know, beach coastal towns in Massachusetts not on not on the Cape um, well Italy has some beaches so you could kind of like that's kind of pretend. what we did yeah I mean it, it was just yeah. just as good little 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 rock <laughs> it was a little rockier than this that John Denver is full of shit um, so the yeah so it was fun but we're kind of cooped up in a beach house with a lot of strong personalities big family my my wife's family you know two sisters husbands, fiancés, uh, our two-year-old nephew, um, li- um, my wife's dad and girlfriend, and then my wife's mom came down, you know, a couple of days or whatever. So uh, people visiting, all the friends and stuff. It was just kind of a cluster. Um, so towards the end uh, of any vacation, I feel like when there's lots of people, it does starts. you start to realize you need a vacation from the vacation. Hmm. Fuck <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so there were some good. So I'm trying to think of a curb moment because I was like, oh, I just felt like that whole week was kind of crazy, um, and I, I just like couldn't decide. I was like, what's what's good? But um, what? 
a few things happen, so I'll kind of just like skim through and give 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 our our listeners who I'm sure are just dying to know about my my life here on vacation. <laughs> but um, so a couple of things, I basically cleared my schedule for that week or so, um, minus one thing. And as you know, and we've probably talked about, I play music on the side sometimes. So I had a gig, one of the first gigs that you know I've had in a while because of COVID nineteen. It was outdoors and whatever. So obviously, of course, any outdoor gig, the only thing that's a barrier at this point is weather. So the gig was up uh, a little ways in New Hampshire. So it's probably like a two, two and a half hour ride from the vacation house. So all is well, but the forecast that day is leading up to like rainstorms, so like, thunderstorms. I'm like, oh, there's just no way. Like we're not going to have this gig. And they said, oh, yeah, we, we'll make the decision, you know, the gig, the uh, uh, promoter or whatever we'll make the decision to cancel uh, a day before like 24 hours before like, that's great you know because that's plenty of time so 24 hours comes they say oh well we're not sure the forecast will we'll let you know uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow morning now I wouldn't have to leave until probably like 12 so I'm like okay that that's okay 11 a.m. comes it's like 99% chance of severe thunderstorms and like no we think we're gonna go mm-hmm. ahead with the gig with the show and I'm like Okay, so I drive my ass or half of us drive all the way up there two and a half hours to get up to basically uh, driving through storms where you're going like 10 miles an hour and you, you, you know, your, wi- your wipers oh, are just like steaming. Can't, can't keep, keep up. up. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's just no way we're going to get up there and the place is going to be flooded. Even if it stopped raining the moment I got out of my car, I'm going to plug something in and like electrocute myself. Um, so we get there and we're just like dying laughing because we're just like, this is just so absurd. Um, and the woman who is the promoter kind of meets us and she's like, oh, you really think you're not going to be able to play? And we're like, literally like we're standing in like three inches of water and we're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. Um, and I was talking to my dad who I, we play together in, in the group, as you know, and I was like, when this woman shows up, she lives like three minutes away. I was like, when she shows up, we should just like start using like the Caddyshack line to her like straight face and be like, yeah, well, I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. I mean, it was like torrential (laughs) rain when she like gets out of the car and starts talking with us. And I wanted to just like get out from under like the shelter that we were at and just like get soaked and just be like, well, I don't don't really think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. Uh, Cause she was kind of, kind of a gullible person. So, Long story short, that was kind of frustrating to drive five hours round trip just to go up there and be like, yeah, okay, great. So did you guys get paid? Um, we got paid kind of like a, a, a small extra kind of fee. It was like whatever, boiled down to like gas money, which is fine. Um, in, in retrospect, yeah. as I reference, I, it, it was a good – it was like the second to last day we were vacationing. So it was nice to get out and have some time to myself. Even if you were just yeah, and during that time, and I guess we'll we'll leave our audience with this. I had a lot of time to ponder, given uh, the current circumstances, and I wanted to ask you how you felt about the long term consequences of wearing masks, and um, and people are probably thinking like, oh, well, yeah, like maybe you're going to be like breathing in like your carbon dioxide. It's like you know you're like harder to breathe, lower oxygen levels. No, 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 I don't give a shit about that. I'm talking about 
the long-term dating and attractiveness consequences. <laughs> and it, this is a big thing for me. And I feel like this is where my curve moment comes in. Cause I feel like this is the kind of thing like Larry would really get on. Like this is something he could get, get like promoting. Um, and yeah. the idea being that if you're wearing masks, you're really only seeing people's eyes and their foreheads, right? So right. it could kind of go of two ways. And so far from my own experience, I feel like it's going mostly this one way. And that is that women, for me anyway, seem much more attractive when half their face is covered. <laughs> yeah. I, are you... You're, that's open-ended, so I'm gonna fill the the dead air and say I am 100% agreement with you. Like I, 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 I see the same thing. I'm out and about. I see what you see, and I'm like, I, I don't know what happened, but COVID's been COVID's been pretty good on on people looking at exactly. Um, it's a great it's a great thing for these for these men and women who, you know, normally come from like you know to use Jerry's term the like a le- leper colonies. But, um, but it's, you know, I'm certain, you know, people are going to start, you know, getting together and that's great. You know, the uglies and, and the attractive people. Yeah. And I just wonder, obviously like it might be kind of good because, you know, you might get to get to know somebody on a, on a personal level with your mask on, whether you're like chatting or then you meet them in, in person and you have your mask on and then you're like, well, I really like this person as a person. And then they take their mask off and you're like, oh, I can live past this. But before you wouldn't even get past that point because it's like you were yes. repulsed. <laughs> they were <laughs> repugnant. Um, no, but it's so true. I mean, you think about, I mean, some people get like their eyelids done and stuff like that. But that's probably like older people, like once they start to sag and things just with age. But um, most people get like a, you know, not most people, but people can get like rhinoplasty because they're like, I don't like the way my nose looks. My nose right. is too big. It's too bulbous. It's too whatever. I had it broke when I was younger and it's a little crooked um, or, you know dentistry like people have like crooked teeth or they have like you know right. smoke you're missing all right. of that you know so it's just like you you were talking about it when you came up too like i mean if too bad you're married because you mean you, you got those baby blues <laughs> i'd be cleaning like, i'd be I mean, cleaning you, up right now yeah you're just laying chum <laughs> up and down the street all the time but uh <laughs> like yeah fishing, it's, it's, it's ridiculous but i think my wife my wife called it uh what you call it masked mask yeah, fishing or whatever it's basically fishing. being cat right, yeah right. it's so true because yeah. you're just like you could have like a dating profile and just you with your mask and people are like well he's a responsible human being he likes to wear a mask because that's it too like if you post a profile and you don't have a face mask on it's like do you not care about right. other people right. like what does uh, that you say sandbagging about son of a bitch you all right uh <laughs> i like it i like it i think we should stay on this and think about it and see how this develops because I'm wondering if we're going to start to see some odd, odd pairings. You know, you tend to tend to see people are about relatively speaking the same attractiveness. Um, you don't often see an average, you know, average Joes and average Janes are usually together. Not usually going to see like some girl who's a ten with like you know Joe six pack kind of. Um, I'm wondering if that's going to change. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, I, it, I am too. But I also think on another tangent. I am I I see way more attractive women with loser guys. Oh yeah. Than I've ever seen. Like usually, don't see like a very attractive guy with like a mediocre woman. You're like, oh, that's kind of weird pairing. It's always like, um, we know somebody who used to work <laughs> I was at our just gonna company. say, I was like, these people <laughs> shall remain nameless. But that's the first person I yes. thought of, and I still think of to this day. Yeah. 
an absolute knockout yeah. 10. It's like, this is my husband. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Fair point. So maybe, maybe that's just going to be exacerbated, you know? It's, I guess we kind of, yeah, we missed yeah. the boat, but we'll, um, yeah, we'll, well, he's a model. <laughs> there's very, this is very Seinfeld and, and, and Curb because if you think about it, how many, there's, um, the whiz, right? With the eyes. Yep. He, she kind of like locks right? in on the eyes. There's the, um, the episode with, I forget the episode name where Jerry's girlfriend looks like really good in certain lights and then looks like miserable in others. Yeah, that's actually the strike, the strike that's episode. Is, right? That's actually the, the yes, 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 yes. Um, so, right, because it takes a backseat to that, obviously. Um, and then, yeah. of course, there's the curb references about her, the Michael's blind model girlfriend, and then, and then as we'll get to in that season, they set up. Larry tries to set set Michael up with a, a, a Middle Eastern woman, I guess, who's wear, wears a burqa, so you can only see her eyes, and burqa. of course, her eyes are stunning. But we find out the rest is not not to be so. <laughs> anyway, very curb ish. So, yeah. oh, also uh, the stall with uh, with um. Oh yeah Tony. yeah yeah, that's right. <laughs> when he when he falls from uh, rock climbing. <laughs> what happened to his face? Yeah. Anything to his face? <laughs> yeah, and there's also the voice right in that part of with the voice of you know when. Uh, don't call me again you know you either (laughs) (laughs) so good anyway very larry david like so figured i'd bring that up all right let's dig into the episode um season one as you said episode nine we got two episodes left in season one here um affirmative action which to some of our less uh intelligent listeners no offense of course um Affirmative action is the term kind of used to encompass um, laws and, and, you know, as it relates to employment practices, among other things, uh, to try to make up for some of the, uh, what we would reference, like Jim Crow era laws of uh, prejudice and racism that would prevent um, black Americans from being able to find equal employment. Uh, opportunities among other things so affirmative action was the kind of response to that in the mid 1900s here and on and through and still to this day so so that's kind of the reference point that you know we want to make sure everyone understands uh and do you know where that term came about i didn't look it up or anything i just i don't know i think people say it and it's just like you know what it is but the the phrase like affirmative action like affirmative like affirmative meaning like agreeing or you know it kind of gives you that connotation but it's like affirmative action. I know that's a good point. I actually I I didn't look it up either, and I I thought the same thing, and I was like, where's where's the connection? So um, um, I don't know enough about how the laws came. To, I mean, I know about some of the specific laws. I'm not sure where that name came about to kind of encompass the 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 view. It's it's really more of a description of a, like a, a social organizational view right of like what we should be doing so right. yeah that would be cool we should look yeah. that up after um we'll put that out to our listeners you guys can get back to us and uh fact yeah check so that. that's moms wives i guess that's really wives <laughs> that's about it and, the- and that and that <laughs> those like couple of people who reached out to us we're loyal listeners so we're building our following here as we go um anyway so yeah that's the background of the of the the term so the scene this is kind of interesting the so the scene one right larry is at his house 
Uh, he's on the phone, and you don't know who he's on the phone with initially. It's just, you, again, I love this technique on Curb. Uh, in other shows, I'm sure I've done the same thing, where it's like you're only hearing one side of the phone call, right? Uh, which is right. really effective for, I think, comedically. Because you're just hearing what Larry's saying, but of course, based on what he's saying, you can kind of infer what the other person is is asking or saying. So Larry's wondering why this person that he's on the phone with needs to meet in person to tell him something, right? Because Larry's saying, oh, why can't they, you know, why, why, why can't you do just do it on the phone? Uh, and he says, it's what blind people do, right? Blind people don't see yeah, each other. Just, we just print... We can just pretend that <laughs> exactly, we're blind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I put a, a call back to the bracelet episode. Right. It's a good point. Um, so that this seems, but of course, this whole conversation plays in, uh, as we'll see in a second. So, so as Larry's on the phone with this person, and he, you can tell he's kind of like, "All right, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll see you in a, in a few minutes or whatever." Um, his wife Cheryl, as we know, walks into the house and basically makes a motion as maybe spouses might do is like let's go wrap it up get off the phone I have like you know I have to talk to you um, and, and Larry says that to as we find out it's Richard Lewis and he says uh, alright I've been ordered off the phone I'll meet you in 10 minutes so we know who Richard Lewis is we've seen him in a few episodes this season him and Larry are good friends known each other for a long time of course the, the first episode the pants tent we meet Richard's girlfriend Sophia uh, and Larry, of course, has a blowout with her at the movie theater. So, um, so we've seen these characters a few times. Um, so obviously, it sounds like Richard has something important to say, and he doesn't want to, You know, he thinks it's worthy of an in-person chat. Definitely, you get that vibe um, that he wants to talk to him in person, and that that it's something it's something important. And um, but I love this idea of like you know being ordered off the yeah. phone and. Um, it's just kind of funny that, like you said, like she has something that she needs to talk to Larry about. Yeah, yeah. Cheryl's interesting. Sometimes she kind of takes this dominant role in the relationship. Other times she kind of, especially early on in the series, she allows Larry to kind of take the dom- the dominant role. Um, and you know, it seems like there's a little there's a little change over time. But so she comes in. She you know now they're talking. She's she's itching. She says the doctor said she has dermatitis. So obviously we know. Okay, she came from the doctor. She's got a paper handwritten prescription for some sort of cream um, to help with the the, the rash and uh, as she's talking I, I love how Larry just kind of slowly starts to kind of like back away thinking like inferring right. that it must be contagious like it yeah be contagious uh, so she picks up on that she says it's not contagious and I'm not entirely sure if dermatitis dermatitis I know there's a lot of different kinds of that's like a generic term for like a skin rash yeah right? and I wrote I think that's just like such a joke is just like anytime you go to a like any diagnostic code for uh, for um, a dermatologist like inf- like dermatitis must be like on on the bill because Everything. it's like you can't have anything like you can't even have like I so, like I have acne um, that flares up sometimes and it's like it, dermatitis is it literally translates to inflammation right. of the derma so it's like <laughs> I can have acne and I also have dermatitis associated right. with it. Um, you know, so it's, it's just, just a generic you know, term, and yeah. that goes that goes back to uh, Seinfeld with um, the slicer episode with, <laughs> right. with Kruger with uh, you pimple know pimple popper, popper MD, yeah. and you know just puts some aloe yeah. on it. Like it's all you do is like just put Cancer. aloe on things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So you know, 
And as as my grandfather, who was a uh, internist um, or internal medicine, said that you know dermatologists are one of the highest paid uh, specialties in in the in the medical community. So that's that makes it even more interesting uh, with the uh, the Seinfeld reference there. <clears throat> so, um, all right. So Larry says, "Yeah, I'll get it filled. I got to meet Richard Lewis first. He has to talk to me about something. God knows." Larry says. Um, so he kind of knows it's going to be like, you know, this drawn out ordeal as Richard sometimes tends to do. So now we get kind of classic what well, I think we find classic selfish Larry where he says, well, it's it seems like he's meeting Richard and or going to the pharmacy right by the restaurant that him and Cheryl have plans to eat at that night. So he says, well, I don't want to drive all the way back home to pick you up, um, you know, why don't you drive and meet me at the restaurant? She's like, well, I don't want to take two cars. That totally makes sense. Why would you take two cars? It's not, I mean, I can't imagine that he's going 45 minutes away. It's probably like 20 minutes away. Um, right. And then he, and then he says, well, why don't you have, uh, and I didn't write the name of the woman, de- Rosa, there Rosa. we go, who I, I guess assume is the housekeeper, right? That's what I put, like a maid yeah. of some sort. And, yeah. uh, and that's pretty stereotypical of us gringos here because, we, um, you know, Rosa, maybe it's a Hispanic female name. We just assume she's cleaning houses um, for rich white people. It could just be their yeah. neighbor. So we're going to go with that. We'll say neighbor, um, you know, because we're pretty progressive gentlemen here. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah, I assume. And I'm pretty sure later on we see we have a Rosa who is a housekeeper. So, yeah, yeah so that's her. So. Um, they're going to the Byzantine restaurant at 6 p.m. So Cheryl seems to just kind of give in and say, yeah, okay, fine. I'll get a ride with Rosa um, and meet you at the restaurant, which, again, I think those types of conversations change later on in the series where Cheryl gets a little bit more combative with some of Larry's ideas when it comes to this kind of thing. Like, I'll meet me there, do this, we'll do that. Um, she'll kind of put up more of a fight. Yeah, it seems like they could have got like a little bit more meat off that bone in terms of like fighting and you know him saying oh i'd have to drive through rush hour and i'd be on both sides you know i'd, I'd be it right. on the way there and then be right. on the way back and um you know he probably could have got a, a minute or two of like really good bickering oh, dialogue yeah. um but obviously as we get into this episode there's a lot of good stuff too so i, I can definitely see it moving forward it's just kind of setting it up um and then i do i looked it up in the byzantine it is a greek or was a greek restaurant located in glendale california oh, okay cool um so we get to scene two and we'll get to the actual restaurant down the road here but so scene two is larry meeting up with richard and they're walking on this nice you know walking path bike path um ocean view looks really nice i guess i'd assume it's santa monica and um Mm -hmm. first off before we dig into the dialogue richard this maybe changes throughout the series, but for the er- it seems like the early seasons he's always wearing, and that's actually this is actually his shtick. I know on on for stand up, he's always usually wearing all black. Um, yeah. But here it's like obviously it's hot out. Um, I, I know Larry might still be wearing pants and stuff, but he's he's dressed much more kind of casually for the weather. Richard's got like black pants, black jacket, like a blazer. Um, like how can you walk, how can you walk around in, in like the hot, you know, what I assume is, do you feel like, do you feel like, I feel like they're obviously like friends in real life and I feel like maybe 
and maybe this is not the case, but him dressing like that is because it is part of, like you said, like you, his shtick, and because like the show is relatively new, they're like, you know, if people see him, they want him to know that it's part of that shtick, as opposed to like if Richard Lewis wasn't wearing those things, would people uh, like they would say it because it's his gotcha. name, but maybe he was like not a- advertising isn't the right word, you know what I mean? But basically, like playing into right. that because he's um, playing himself, just as that idea. Is. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. So, um, but we have this again in the bracelet episode where he wanted to walk to the right. restaurant and he was like wearing a suit. Yeah, it was like the same outfit. Um, yeah, seriously. Yep. So, um, so Richard says, you know, he's upset with Larry that, um, you know, I love how he just kind of, he's like, starts kind of bro- broaching whatever the subject and then he's just like, you don't call me. Like, it just like kind of blurts out. <laughs> uh, meaning that, right, he feels like if he didn't initiate uh, to make plans with Larry, you know, that they wouldn't end up, they wouldn't be friends. They'd never see each other. That it's all one-sided. Um and it, this is appropriate now, so maybe we should pause our recording because I'd like to kind of talk to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, keep it keep it rolling. No, I love this idea of initiating, and I have, like, several friend, different friendships that it's like I feel like I'm on either side of those, and it can go on for I'm always the person right. that's reaching out, or there's sometimes where we're kind of playing tag. Like, right now there's one of my friends from Florida, and, like, as soon as I saw this episode, I'm like, oh, I, 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 I got to call Mike. I got to reach out to him. Um, and then like he called me the other day and I looked at the phone ringing and I was like literally getting ready for bed and I'm like, ah, uh, I was like, I just, I, I can't take yeah. this right now. You know, I had a big day the next day and so I texted him, I was like, Hey, can we talk the next day? And it's just like, he's like, yeah, sure. And it's like, so right now he's initiating and like, I, I haven't initiated, but it's like, I still enjoy the conversations and, but, uh, yeah, we're just, I, so I've been on both sides. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and even, even within the same relationship, like it, like you said, it kind of goes back and forth. Um, and yeah, so everybody, everybody can, can relate to that. But I think what Richard, Richard seems like a little, whatever, uh, maybe taking it too, too much to heart. And he says that he talked to his shrink and his shrink suggested that he confront Larry about it. So it's obviously been bothering Richard, Mr. Neurotic. So, um, so Larry question for you about, um, the term shrink. Oh yeah. That's, that's kind of a derogatory term. Yeah, so I actually looked it up because you always hear it, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't know what it was about. So um, I actually found this really cool podcast, and it's called Away with mm-hmm. Words, and uh, basically they take these, you know, phrases like that or like pots of piss in or things like that, and they they go back and they figure out like why we say them when they started. Um, but basically, it's a reference to like ritual practice in certain tribal societies of literally shrinking right. heads of one's vanquished right. enemies. That's like where it came about. But this wasn't like adopted into like a like a reference into psychotherapy like in the nineteen sixties. So it's like a relatively like, you know, newer right uh, taking term. an older term point, like, or meaning and bring and it comes back, right? Right, exactly. Um, but that is like you said, it's it's something that um, people who are psychologists or psychiatrists like don't don't like the term shrink, which oh, I can totally time. get. Yeah, and and then there also is a connection to like lots of therapists and psychologists are Jewish um, so there's kind of a, I think now in kind of today's world it's like taken on like shrink is derogatory towards therapists and psychologists but it also can be connected to like being like anti-Jewish too because like especially if you're using it in a demeaning way 
in the case of like Richard Lewis, he's just using it and just is like a, again like an alternative version for my therapist or whatever, you know. Yeah, he's just yeah. subbing it in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's yeah. I, he could be. He could be um, from the trick or treat episode. He could be a self. <laughs> that's Jew. true. Yeah, it's true. We 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 don't really know. I know. <laughs> Larry hates himself. <laughs> I do hate myself, but that's <laughs> uh, so great. I can't wait for those. Um, so anyway, so they have this you know conversation, and Larry, um, again, he comes off kind of genuine here, and he's like, "Can I be honest?" And he goes, "It's Sophia, uh, a- aka the you know Richard's bitchy girlfriend that Larry and you know her had a." falling out not not even didn't even have a chance to fall in they just fell out um and i love some of richard's lines he's like kind of i mean i think he's he's relieved to know what it is but then of course now he's kind of has to defend his girlfriend or really more defending him saying like well <laughs> she's an extension of my life um which i love right. that's a great line because uh, they we assume they've been dating for a relatively short period of time um and he goes, well, you're, you know, your wife's embarrassed me a few times, but I don't, I don't just bolt from the friendship. And I'm just like, oh my God, I want to know, like, what's happened? Like, what, when did Cheryl ever like do something to Richard in, in front of people or whatever, embarrass him? Uh, I know it's I great. It. So, but I do love this idea with Larry. You know, he's like, you know, can I be honest with you? He says, yeah, you know, I would yeah. hope he could be. And he's like, and then he's like, oh, you, do you really think that's fair? And Larry's like, it's not fair, but it's, it's, it's the honest reason. Um, and I just love that whole dialogue because he's he wants him to be honest. He is honest, but then he's like, "Well, that's not fair." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is classic. <laughs> and he's like, "No, you know, I know it's not fair, but it, it, you wanted to know, right. and this is this is it." So I, I I respect their friendship. I respect them talking it out because like sometimes you just gotta like have these conversations. Otherwise, like things kind of fester and people don't talk about. Oh stuff yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they kind of blow up. Um. So, uh, you know, this whole conversation, if if this was taking place like four seasons later, it would not go the way it goes. Like Larry would be probably much more combative and, and or denying. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, or, or we'd come off and be like, yeah, well, because you're it's because your girlfriend's a fucking idiot or you know what I mean? Say something like that. Right. But instead, so Larry, like as you kind of reference here, takes like the high road, being honest, talking it out. And he says, look, he was like. Um, why don't you join Cheryl? You know, Cheryl and I are supposed to go out to dinner tonight. Why don't you join us? And it's a genuine offer. And Richard sees that and he says, oh, we can't, you know, we have plans. But why don't you guys come over after dinner, come to my place for coffee and dessert? So it's like they're kind of both meeting each other halfway. They're trying to make make amends in some ways by just spending time together. So right. it all seems pretty good. And this is kind of funny again because as this scene's unfolding, it's I start remembering like what's happened, what's going to happen like later in the episode, which I had forgotten. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yes, this is good. Um, so anyway, as they're kind of about to solidify plans, this guy kind of runs through them or runs by them, and Richard seems to recognize him. He says, "Justin, Justin, Lewis, how you doing?" Hey, man. What's happening? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's sorry. okay. I'm funky. I'm funky. Dr. Grant's just my friend Larry David. Hi. How you my doing? My dermatologist. Hi. Really? Oh, yeah. What? For 15 years already? Even with the whole affirmative action thing? Uh, I'm sorry. I beg your pardon? What? No, he did
It was a, it was a joke. Oh, really? no, no, he's, joke. he's like Wait, a buddy. Hey, he's, come he's on, not... no, 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 no. no, 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 no I know him. I mean, he's he's a sweetheart. The implication being that oh, I wasn't oh, good enough to no. be a dermatologist. No, 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 come on. Who is this guy? No, no like, it was a joke. He's a liberal. He's like really. Yeah, was, yeah, so if I wasn't black, you would have said the same thing, or or, or not. You see my point? Yeah, I see it in a, in, a, in a historical sense, but not in a, oh. in a, in a nice day yeah, sense. Don't, don't no, take no, no. You know, Richard, I, I've worked too hard and too long at this. I, 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 I know, look, no, I, 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 no, I, I, can't do it. I don't know what this trip is, but I can't do it. No, it's, I don't it's, have any trip. Yeah, no, yeah, it was right. a joke. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, oh, uh, holy shit! What, what, what hit you? It was a joke. I know it's a joke. It sounded like a Christ, like Pat Buchanan's gin I was just trying to be. Sake. I was trying to be affable. Look, I'll see you tonight. We'll try to, hopefully, we'll resolve, you know. I tend to say stupid things to black people stupid sometimes. Stupid things. That's like going to be in the time capsule of the Christ. Look, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> and again, referencing the fact that why would you want a black doctor? Because the chances of, a, 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 of having a black, the chances of having an incompetent doctor in this case, dermatologist in this case, would be higher because they're black, meaning it was easier for them to become a dermatologist thanks to the affirmative action policies. Right, um, right. To kind of talk out the, <laughs> right, the the back, the concept. So, of course, <laughs> Richard and the doctor here uh, are both confused and combative. And I, I kind of in my head th- at first, or like, I'm thinking, why is Richard playing like confused? I think he's doing it in the situation because after you realize, well, he he knew what Larry was trying to do, but he's kind of playing dumb in the moment in front of this guy, his doctor. So, um, and Larry again is good at sensing, although he's not good at like anticipating this kind of stuff. He's certainly good at sensing somebody's like frustration or, or anger. So he immediately kind of. He should be. He should be. <laughs> it happens, happens a lot, right? Time, so he's like, what? He's like, what? <laughs> it, it was a joke. Uh, so he's trying to kind of relieve tension. And then I love Richard that says this great line um, he, to the doctor. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, come on. He's a liberal like me and you or like you and me, I think he says. Yeah, I have, he's a liberal. He's like <laughs> yeah. you and me. Which is just such a desperate, like, plea to try to, like, calm yeah. things down. You know, and, like, the doctor is just like, you know, he's like so – he's like – he said something along the lines like, "So if I wasn't black, you would have the same said. thing." Yeah, because he's like, "Oh, he's like, oh no, it's not not about you being black." And then he's just like, "Well, he's like, so the joke would have been funny if I yeah. wasn't black. You like, you still would have said if I wasn't black." And then it's like, uh, he doesn't have like any rebuttal <laughs> right. to that. And he's like, "Do you see my point?" And this is this line makes no sense. Richard responds and goes, "Well, yeah, I see your point in in a historical sense, but not in a nice day sense. <laughs> not not in a nice day sense." Yeah, uh, which I was like, that's <laughs> fantastic. I don't know like how he came up with that. Like how did he form that sentence? I know I know they're obviously improvising in these moments, but like I, I wonder if that came out then for the first time or if it came out and they were like that makes no sense, but let's use it. Well, I think it's it's just funny because like I mean, we're obviously dealing with stuff right now in this in this country. Like, we're not dealing with it right now. It's been going on for forever. Um, but it's like sometimes we let this bullshit slide where people can say st- stupid stuff, like Larry just said. And it's like, well, you know, it's just a nice day. You were just trying to be right. affable. As, as Larry like, says, it's yeah. not you know, not in a historical sense. But when this happens on a lot of you know, successive like nice day situations, like it becomes right. historical, right. right? Where it's like you can't break that pattern. So 
I, I get what, you know, like you said, Richard, he's just, he's grasping oh, at yeah. straws at, at this point just to kind of salvage. Right. It's all everything. just kind of falling apart. So then I, you know, the doctor's just like, finally just like, I, he goes, I've worked too long, too hard for that. I don't know what his trip is. Yeah. I love that line. And Larry's yeah. like, I don't have yeah. a trip. I don't have any trip. <laughs> it was a joke, <laughs> you know, and he's just like sounding so defeated at this point. Um, this is a great <laughs> scene because then the doctor runs off <laughs> and Richard just goes, holy shit what hit you um <laughs> he's like i know it's a joke but you sounded like pat buchanan's gym partner <laughs> oh my god i was like where do they come up with this shit um so i don't know did you uh, i looked i you would probably know this better than i did and you might have some more information if you'd like to share it but i did look up some information mm-hmm. on pat buchanan um i'll just share it now and then you can kind of fill in the blanks um, but Pat Buchanan is uh, was known as a conservative political columnist and broadcaster, um, basically. And then I, I looked, and he, he I, I found that he penned something called uh, the Affirmative Action no, uh, Nobel, and it said um, it is basically the title of this like article he wrote on October thirteenth of two thousand nine uh, on Townhall.com, and he basically claimed that like President uh, Obama's Nobel Prize was simply the result of affirmative action. Um, and the column goes on and basically says he, a direct quote. They say they have reinforced the impression that Obama is someone who is uh, who is uh, forever being given prizes, Ivy League scholarships, law review edit- ed- editorships, primetime speaking slots, and national conventions that he did not earn. Mm. So um, obviously, I just thought it was right. interesting that he actually wrote something called like the affirmative action. And um, but he was like released like. I, he was like fired and stuff. I, I'm sure he's done like other. Yeah, he's kind stuff, of an interesting but. cat. Um, you know, he got well. Yeah, he he has experience in politics and campaigns. He was an advisor, I know, to, to Nixon, um, and you know, still probably you know, you know, jerks himself off to Richard Nixon at night or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, and then he worked in the Reagan administration. I mean, you know, he's a he's a but he's yeah he's certainly a very extreme social conservative. Um, so far to the point that, you know, everybody knows that Obama's Nobel Peace Prize was bullshit. He had just been like he had just become president and they gave it to him. So it was more of a ceremonial, like first black president in America, like whatever. Uh, it was more of a response to Bush, I think, than than to Obama. But yeah, obviously tying going to the lengths to tie Obama's professional achievements with this award that he has ne- that you don't necessarily have to make any sort of grand you know I don't know make some sort of gesture towards anything you just get awarded this prize based on what people think um, <clears throat> is probably a little unfair to Obama in that sense but I just so yeah knowing who Pat Buchanan is but like to say instead of saying like this is where I love comedy sound, or like yes. Richard Lewis or any of these guys it's like instead of saying oh Jesus you sound like Pat Buchanan that's like not really a punchline, but you right. say, "Oh, you sound like Pat Buchanan's gym partner." <laughs> like, first <laughs> off, I, I don't even know what that means. I, I assumed it meant like, you know what I mean, like racquetball or something like that. Like, or, yeah. I was gonna say they probably play squash, squash together exactly. or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. So I just love that that whole delivery, and again, it. And the whole line is, "You sound like Pat Buchanan's gym partner." For Christ's sake, Christ's yeah, sake. exactly. Um, but yeah, such such a better line to pepper it in with the yeah. gym partner. It's such a, an obscure. It would obviously be somebody who's close to Pat Buchanan, somebody that probably shares right. similar similar ideologies. So when they're working out together, that they're oh, probably yeah. you know 
hating on black people or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, who knows? And I, I certainly am not, I, I, you know, maybe thankfully for me, I haven't read a lot of Pat Buchanan's uh, blogs and, you know, op-eds or whatever. So maybe he's uh, toned it down a bit, but who knows? But um, yeah, so Larry keeps saying, I love this word. He, he just keeps saying affable. I was trying to be affable. I was trying to be affable. But, of course, as he's doing that, he kind of pauses. And this is, again, another great line that I forgot how much I love this line because I didn't remember where it came from, where he just pauses and he's, like, pondering. He's reflecting and he goes, I I tend to say stupid things to black people sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't don't say stupid things to other people. I just tend to say stupid things to black people sometimes. Um, And I I can vibe with that because, like, I feel like I love, I love, um, like I have like such passion and interest for like black music, particularly of like the you know, um, no, well, different eras, but in the 20th century from like the 30s, 40s through on. So, um, I felt like a little bit like Larry in this moment when I played a gig with an Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute band a few months back, where I like mm-hmm. I had to like balance my like wanting to like be a part of their their like hang, um. And like not starting to talk like them or starting to like uh, I, some people, a lot of people are like this where like you like if you start like hanging out with like a bunch of like Indian, uh, you know, Indian citizens, like you might start like picking up little mannerisms, um, but you're white. You know what I mean? So like you, it's it's right. weird. So I remember like catching myself once in a while if I took, if I spent a lot of time with with people who had accent, even just accents from different parts of the countries, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like if you if I spend time down south like you might pick exactly. up y'all or a little bit of a draw like depending on how long exactly. you're there for so it kind of works the same if way if people have moved away like yeah when you come back home mm-hmm. or whatever it's like you you tend to like you know if you're from new england or whatever like you drop your r's but then like when you leave you don't quite as much but when you spend more time with your family it comes out like yeah so i totally get that but what you're saying i totally get like there's not just a there's not just a um it's not just an accent it's you know it's a it's a it's a it's a cultural right. thing right too. it's like an so, assimilation it yeah it's like an assimilation effect of some kind um yeah and I, it's not necessarily it's not conscious that's what's funny about it is it's like well sometimes yeah because we had um i won't name names but when we were living in florida there was one person that we knew um and there was um, um you know some people of, of color in our in our friend circle and like one like one of the people was basically always trying to um you know, they were always trying to go above and beyond to like let that other person know that like they liked certain, you know, things in music. And I was just like, but I was like, but we, yeah. but they didn't. You know, they were just like they're like, oh, like I love, uh, I love NWA. Like they're you know they're really great. <laughs> That's and amazing. Just like they're like, but no, like I've never heard you listen to them yeah. like at all. Like and now it's like here you are and you're just like. Oh yeah, so it just like laying it on thick, and I'm like, try, and try not to be like quote unquote racist, but it's just like it's like reverse. Yes, it you're is. Just, you're, you can't just act cool. Like just like just be yourself, right. and like, but it's right. so weird. Yeah, that's like that great that great Rocky. Uh, I guess it's Rocky four, or Rocky th- no, Ro- maybe it's Rocky three, with a pot when Apollo is you know, yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's Rocky three because Apollo takes on training. Rocky against for Clubber Lang for the rematch Clubber Lang and like when they do like the press thing beforehand Apollo says to Rocky like now just be cool be cool like don't make a scene and then Apollo ends up like getting all heated and like goes after 
Clubber Lang like in the press conference and Rocky afterwards says like well I thought you said be cool and he goes man that was cool <laughs> and I was like oh it's such a good line um, anyway yeah so we digress but that's certainly a, an issue for me I tend to say stupid things to say black stupid people things. sometimes yeah um, <laughs> and then so, so again there's just so many good lines in this short little segment which if we were just watching this and not analyzing it it would kind of just skim by I think because Richard's yeah. response to that line is stupid things. That's going to be in a time capsule, for Christ's sakes. Is if, like, the time <laughs> capsule that says stupid things, that's like, you know. Or you could say another way is, like, you know, if stupid things was in the dictionary, it would have, like, that, that Larry's face on it. That kind of, you know. Yeah, but that goes right up there with uh, the historical sense and nice mm-hmm. day sense. Like, that will be in a time capsule. Like, we all know what a time capsule is, but, like... That's not how they work. You don't just like bottle like situations. Right. It's like you act they're actual physical items that <laughs> right, you put that's in. A good so point. that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Again, what you yeah, say. but they're funny. Um, yeah. So that scene the scene ends is they're kind of having this discussion, you know, fading out. And we get to scene three, which is Cheryl in the lobby of the restaurant waiting for Larry to come in and and, and pretty quickly Larry walks in. And Cheryl's like there's no reservations like it places a madhouse I'm starving I'm itching and you know the only thing that she seems to be at least relieved about is that Larry's walking in with the filled prescription which he was supposed to get filled so she asks um, you know hey can I have the, the cream I want to go to the ladies room and, and put it on and at that point Larry you know it hits him as you can tell by his face that he totally you know forgot lost track of time because he got into this altercation while talking to Lewis um and again I keep coming it's funny to kind of go back because again these conversations I think would be different in a few seasons because although Cheryl is kind of upset or annoyed that he forgot to fill the script he kind of immediately starts saying like oh I you know I completely humiliated myself and Cheryl kind of starts like laughing being like well what happened but I think later on I don't know if you'd agree but like maybe I feel like like Cheryl would do that classic like Larry yeah exactly Um, well and to that point like she has like this weird mannerism when he's like you know when he starts saying oh my gosh I did again this horrible whatever she has like this she kind of gets like this like you said like she kind of laughs kind of gets like this like weird smile and gets like really like warm and almost affectionate towards him. She's like, "Wow, right. what, what happened? What was said?" And it's just like, like you were literally just scratching yourself to death. Like you're in a busy restaurant, and you're hungry, and your husband came in and was supposed to get your prescription and didn't. Like, and he's definitely worked up about something, but it it doesn't really seem like it would fit. And it, maybe it's because we already know where we we're looking at Cheryl through the lens of yeah. like w- watching her for yeah, ten yeah, seasons. Yeah, exactly. So um, again, of yeah. course, it probably gets harder to deal with him as the years go on, but. Um, <laughs> Still crazy after all these years. <laughs> yeah, so Larry tells the story, of course, of what happened to Cheryl, and Cheryl <laughs> responds by saying, well, why would you even joke about that? And Larry goes, "I don't, because I'm a schmuck. I don't know. I did a schmucky thing. <laughs> it is a <laughs> good line. line. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. There's, you know, they're both starving, no table, Cheryl's itching to death. Larry gets this idea to bribe the host of the restaurant or Mater D with, you know, cash. Uh, men do this, right? <laughs> I've seen men do I've, it in I've movies. Seen men do yeah. This. Um, <laughs> that, that 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 delivery reminded me of uh, 
in uh, for your version. He's like, you fuck guys. I got friends who fuck guys in jail. Jail. <laughs> um, but Larry, yeah. you fuck guys. What a cruelest dude. <laughs> it's so line. absurd. Um, so yeah, you can catch us on our forty old version podcast. Uh, so Larry. Um, kind of cat again of course because he's so bad at this shit he kind of goes up to the host and he's like oh you know how long's the wait oh there's no way to get it i think he says what 45 minutes to an hour he's like, larry says oh there's no way to get in sooner um which again 99 percent of us i assume unless i've just missed the boat here um you get the wait time and you're deciding do we wait or do we go somewhere else that's pretty much your option yeah. um so <laughs> larry then nothing else can be done and the host starts getting, this is kind of sketchy. Like the host says, well, nothing that I can think of, sir. But like, that's just a weird response. Uh, I guess assuming that he doesn't even want to yeah. give the impression that he's asking for the bribe. Right. But yeah, if you say no, then you're not, there's no, the, the bribe is pretty closed. Right. But yeah, by saying that, it, it's it's kind of a yeah, mediocre it is. answer. It's so shady, it does open yeah. it up for yeah. so. And then again, kind of like what early, what he just said to show. He's like, "Things are done, right? Aren't things done? I hear things are done <laughs> from time yeah, to time." Exactly. <laughs> again. So okay, the host says that, and then Larry. Then you see Larry just kind of slowly hand off what looks to be cat, like a folded up twenty or something that Larry had uh, yep. to the host. And then of course, a table opens up right away. They get seated. All is well. Um, so next time that happens to me, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna maybe make a go at it. Um, cause it's either gonna happen two ways. Think, well, you're either gonna get kicked out of the restaurant, which you probably wouldn't have stayed anyway to wait, or you get seated. Yeah, and like they can call security on you, like, uh, as we'll see later potentially. True. Fair point. Yeah, so maybe you get banned from the restaurant, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're banning me? You're banned. You're banned. Um, so they get seated, and Cheryl says, I am very impressed. I'm extremely attracted to you right now. This is when Larry says that, you know, women are, it's because women are Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's because it's criminal. <laughs> uh, and, they, <laughs> and they do that kind of stuff all the time. So this, this is another good, like, social norm. Thi- I, no, not a norm. I, I, it's a perception issue. And I'm not entirely sure if it actually is reality, but it's certainly a perception, I think, among most guys uh, to go back to what we were talking about is like maybe attractive women with like less attractive men. This might be part of it, but it's like if you act like a badass or like, you know, you take risks, I guess, not necessarily criminal offenses, but um, or maybe women are more attracted to you. You know, I don't know if that's I'll be interested to see if there's actually some scientific research on that um well i know that's like uh that's like a thing when you're like like a young adult right where it's like we can go back to high school and think of like all the guys that got all the girls and they were all usually like oh assholes. yeah total losers <laughs> and it's just like I, it, there's just something where i don't know at that age like it works to a certain point but if you want like a really nice like woman and like somebody who's like of of married like somebody that you can marry and like you know whatever like that shit just doesn't work <laughs> like that's for like if you're just like trying to like clean up and you're like dating or whatever like to be like you know to be like right. joe cool and like just be like one word answers and be like, <laughs> yeah. like it's like at George. the end of the day like yeah. people are just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true yeah uh <laughs> 
what are you wearing? Uh, would you like to know? <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. That's a good point. And certainly in high school, you feel that way. You know, like the girl I had a crush on in high school was just like constantly dating like losers. And uh, and I was just like, you know, like can't catch can't catch a break. Um, no. And you're and you're like the nice guy that's like talking them through all their like loser breakups. And you're just like, well, maybe one some, someday she'll like smarten up and it's like oh no. yeah it's totally uh what's the movie there uh, that we love just friends just friends yeah. uh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um so uh, yeah i love that larry that's a total guy you know the fact that he thinks that at that age might be concerning but totally agree on that front yeah so then uh you know larry has this kind of adhd type of thing so he sees this um gentleman who's in a wheelchair wheeling through whatever I guess maybe go to the restroom wheeling through the restaurant and he just says like how he, I, I, he doesn't understand how a handicapped person could use a non-motorized wheelchair um, and Cheryl of course responds by how I think most of us would think it's like well maybe they want the exercise you know um, and he says well can't you get one that has both so you can decide <laughs> when you want to exercise and or whatever when you don't and you know, it's the more more I watch these shows, the more I realize how much regurgitated material from Seinfeld there is. But in different ways, oh, yeah. it's not like the same thing necessarily. But I, you know, again, you have the the um, the handicap spot um, when they look at the wheelchair, the, the Cougar <laughs> yeah, Three Thousand. Yeah, exactly. It's almost as if you were lucky to be <laughs> yeah, handicapped. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then of course they go with the the, the cheaper one, the the reused, the used the one. The used, yeah. yeah the yeah. effective wheelchair. So, I don't know. Yeah. It, it all these things. Kinda... She told me to drop it. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many like uh, crossovers, but they're like they're not. It's not just regurgitated. It's not the same set of punch. Right. Because you know? I mean, then we're gonna get like Wendy yeah, wheelchair exactly. and like Denise exactly. handicap. Like, I mean, everybody knows just like handicap or disability. It's just like there are certain topics that can yield like good comedy, social comedy again because they're like taboo subjects. That's like that's the whole point. Um, exactly. So okay, so now Larry, it's just like one thing after another. Larry now sees she, he looks over and he sees this guy who he says, "Oh, it's Ted." Harbert um, and she says who's Cheryl says who's Ted Harbert he, goes, he used to be the president of ABC and now he runs NBC Studios now I think this guy's just an actor I don't even know is this kind of like a Seinfeld thing where the name is a real person um, yeah I, I was going to talk about him in, when he has a speaking role but since we're bringing it up right now uh, Ted Harbert is played by none other than Ted Harbert, uh, who doesn't have a lot of credits, mostly some producer stuff. Okay. So, um, yeah, not like the actual name of, you know, the president or anything like that. It's just it's kind of interesting that that is his. Yeah, name. that's funny. Yeah. So I guess Larry maybe has done work with him in the past or just kind of knows him for whatever reason. So uh, Larry, of course, this guy's sitting next to the bath. He's sitting at the table near the bathroom. Larry has to use the bathroom. He doesn't want to walk by that table. Cheryl says, well, why? He's like, oh, he he makes the worst small talk, which I assume is just long and boring. That to me sounds like a good summary of what bad small talk would be. Would, would be. Um, so then Cheryl says, well, just don't stop. Just walk by and say hi and keep walking to, you know, to the restroom. And Larry responds, you can't do that. You have to stop. 
So I paused at that point and realized that that's really the first time we kind of allude to what will become Larry's, one of Larry's rules, stop and chat. Um, which, of course, Cheryl gets mad at him at some point later on in the series about, you know, not not everybody knows your rules. And, um, but she kind of alludes to the don't do a stop and chat right there. And Larry's the one who says, we can't do that. You have to stop and say hi. Which I, I agree with, right. you know, it'd be like you, you come off kind of like a total asshole if you're just like, oh, hey, and keep walking. Um, of course, right. I have lots of coworkers that I do that to. Um, as a matter of fact, there are <laughs> certain coworkers that the remainder of the people in the building will purposefully, if you have to walk down a hallway, corridor somewhere, purposely grab books something to carry something folders documents anything in your hand to make it look like you're kind of on the way to do something oh make gotta make photocopies gotta do something and you walk fast um to make it so you don't get trapped so you know you walk you walk by empty-handed you must be just kind of moseying around you get stuck in a half hour conversation and boom um i don't know how you feel you either have to you either have to like ignore like not ignore them you have to pretend like you don't see them or you have to stop and chat you can't like at least in this situation he can't he could walk by the bathroom and pretend like you didn't see him and be like oh my gosh like I'm so sorry right. I didn't see you there if you get caught right. if you and if you don't get caught then it's like you just keep going or whatever yeah that's a fair point yeah um, and it's pretty risky too because it could situation. come off it could totally backfire like you know I don't know it could come off as at least for now like I, they still have it now but like cell phones are great for that too like. If you're like walking in the bathroom and you want to walk past somebody like in the like they haven't seen you yet or you, you don't think they've seen you yet like just like put your phone up and like have it like yeah walk while you're like looking down at it and then that way if they want to they can be like Larry and you look up and you're like oh my gosh but then you also can be like you might be able right to right you could give like a hey wave but it's clear that you're on the phone oh yeah. that too that's even better Love yeah it. just have it like a yeah. by your ear oh so good all right um. <laughs> So I don't know why Larry gets this idea. It's like he's so desperate not to come in contact with this this guy, Ted. He says, you know what? There's a restaurant two doors down. I'm just going to go over there and use their bathroom, which is insane. insane. This is classic. This is where it's like Larry's like being insane, which is part of the fun. Um, So before we leave the restaurant, um, I should talk about uh, the Mm -hmm. maitre d' is played by um, an actor named Robert uh, Cesario. Yeah. And he was on things like Boston Legal, Caroline in the City, uh, The Bernie Mac Show, and Wayne's, uh, the Wayne Brothers uh, show okay. that they had. So just a few different credits here and there, like just like kind of like I certainly stuff. recognize him. Um, yeah, he looks really familiar. Um, and then I have a couple of like other notes about this, like the scene. Number one, at the top of the episode, um, I absolutely hate it when like I know that I've done something wrong and somebody that I'm close to, whether it's like a family member or like, you know, a friend that's like, Why did you do that? Like, you know what I mean? She he's just like, I did this, I was a schmuck, I did a schmucky thing, and she's like, Yeah, well why would you even say that? He's like, I know. Oh, that's I what know. I'm telling yeah, you. And totally. like there's nothing worse than being in that situation, being like looking for somebody to be like, Oh man, that sucks. I can't believe that. That you know, right. that's too bad. Then and you're looking you're kinda looking for like the oh, that sounds horrible, like, you know, they're not going to, like, agree with you, but just, like, let you vent, and but they just call you on it, too. Oh, it's the worst, worst. yeah, exactly, because it's, like, you're, you're trying to just vent it out to be, like, oh, I can't believe I did this, and, like, yeah, you don't want that person asking you for an explanation of why. It's, like, yeah, I already right. know. I 
I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up. And then lastly, um, I just can't believe that Larry David doesn't look down at what he was going to hand the uh, the maitre d. Like, even if you you took it out and you put it in your pocket, like I would look at it like once or twice and be like, "Is this really what I have? Is this what I'm giving him?" And like, and then also the maitre d would take it. Like, it could have been a yeah. dollar. Like he was, he's going to give him a seat I just guess for that's a dollar. Kind of the, the the risk that both parties enter into, but cer- certainly when you're giving, you're the giver. You know, in Larry's. Uh, point of from Larry's point of view, yeah. I mean, back then, you know, you're carrying a lot of cash, um, or a lot. I say you carry more cash, I think, than we do now. So there's a chance that like you might have a fifty dollar bill, you might have a hundred dollar bill, you might have a twenty. And if you're trying to just give a twenty, yeah, you want to make sure you grab the right one, right? Um, right. I think he knew that it was a folded up twenty, but he put it back in his pocket, and as we'll find out, it gets kind of jumbled. Um, so I, I think, yeah, he knew how much money he folded up, but because he put it back and rather than keep it in his hand, that's where that's where the, the issue comes in. Um, and, and then on that, too, is that as soon as he gives him the 20, he's like, yeah. right this way. So there was an, he had so this guy just keeps an open <laughs> table just in case somebody wants to I don't know. Him. That's a good like, point. The, it'd be one thing. It's like usually like you would imagine like in a real life situation, if you did get bumped up on the list, they'd be like, you go from like forty five minute wait to be like next available, right. maybe. But the guy was just like right this yeah. way, and just like does he just get bribed? I don't all the know. Time? And then not only that, it's like if that table was ready and about to be used, then you assume that there's another party of two like right there waiting in the wings to kind of they're next. So like, yeah, you kind of have an idea of where you're at in line, and you're kind of like. Oh, they're clearing that table. That's probably ours because we showed up here and we did whatever. And then all of a sudden, yeah. this guy walks over. And uh, they, wouldn't like, they think that they would see the like that party is probably close by, and they maybe would see all of a sudden that those people who were here after us got seated first? I don't know. But it seems like they take reservations too. So it's like you like that's always like the weirdest thing too when somebody like gets in front of you and they're like, "But they just walked in." They're like, "Yeah, but right. they had reservations." Right. And you're like, uh, "I don't think exactly." Don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but they right. Cheryl says, "Oh, that they, they don't take reservations." So. That could have backfired on the host pretty quickly for twenty bucks. I don't know if it's worth the risk. No, not at all. And then like also like you know we're really getting carried away with it. But like whoever's the owner, or, like the manager, like he's the gatekeeper of that maitre d. Like be like, hey, come on, we need like we just have an empty seat here because you're just waiting to to make yeah. twenty bucks. Like right. come on, like push right. people through. Interesting. Um, yeah. So anyway, so Larry walks out, walks two de- two two doors down as he said he would to a Mexican restaurant. Uh, and I love how it starts and you start hearing like a little like a mariachi band music uh, as he's like walking. Yeah, I love how the music <laughs> yeah, changes. It's like, great. Yeah, it's so um, good. So he's, he walks, he asks, oh, bathroom, yep. Somebody points him in the direction. He's about to walk into the men's room and all of a sudden this woman who looks like she maybe is coming out of the women's room says, calls his name, Larry, you know, Larry David. <laughs> Larry yeah. David. Um, she seems friendly at first, don't you think? Yeah, she seems really friendly, and you're like, "Oh, what's what's going on here?" Yeah, she's this, like, "Remember um, me?" This woman that seemed this uh, woman that he's going to remember is uh, Denise uh, Pendergrass, yeah. and is played by Karen Bankhead, um, and she had a lot of like one-off roles. I had Boston Common, Will and Grace, uh, Grey's Anatomy, and she was also on Nice. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. That, it's one thing not to get aside, but when we go through some of these. Um, parts that some of these actors play. It's very much like a sign of the times. 
uh, unless they've been like around for a long time. It's like a lot of the shows that we're referencing. It's like that's early two thousand sitcom stuff or drama or TV drama. Oh, I know yeah. stuff that I remember being like in high school or like mm-hmm. grade school and like being like my parents were like, "Oh, we watched." Yeah, Boston exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So she comes off friendly. Oh, remember me? And then Larry remembers her. Oh, yeah, we met. Um, when he was obviously interviewing people uh, for his staff uh, production side on Sour for Sour Grapes. Grapes, right? Which was a movie that Larry wrote and, and produced and directed. Um, she was a line, or she interviewed for the line producing position, uh, as Larry remembers. And she wants to know why she didn't get the job. She wanted to know what happened. And that's kind of when you can tell the conversation takes a turn and Larry kind of realizes this isn't, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Uh, and she's like, well, who got the job? And he goes, uh, uh, Barry. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is Barry? Uh, and she's, yeah, she's getting pretty belligerent. She's like, well, is a friend of yours? Or he's like, oh, a fr- uh, friend of my wife's. And uh, and then I love how at that point she like, she basically, she's like, oh, what? Yeah, she's like, was it a, a a black a black friend? You'll have to excuse me because uh, I've had a few margaritas or she says something like that. It's like, oh dear. <laughs> Um, so you can kind of tell where it's going when she asks about a black friend. Um, she she continues right. to accuse um, Larry of uh, having a problem with giving somebody like her a job. And she says, uh, and Larry's kind of defending what problem. He starts defending himself. And, and she says, well, you know, she kind of lists, lists off actually some decent evidence saying, well, you know, there were no black people in Seinfeld. Uh, and then she goes, you know, um, I, th- I know she says Jerry didn't have any black girlfriends, but I think she mentions um, Elaine. Elaine, Elaine but, never had any like black friends that were right, girls. black friends that were girls. But she did date a guy who was like half black. I think right. No, they were just a couple of white people. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We find out that he wasn't uh, Hispanic, right? She thought he was, or no, he thought she was Hispanic. Yeah, why'd you keep taking? Yeah. Yeah, because he got taken to all those Hispanic right. restaurants because he thought he was like black. black. Yeah, so some great stereotype uh, uh, comedy there. And so basically, she's. And then, and then they decide at the end of the episode to. Do you yeah. want to go to the gap? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which now feels like a dated reference. Um, so yeah. that. But it's pretty good evidence. There weren't that many black people in Seinfeld. Uh, I love the line. I watched Seinfeld, and there was only there. There wasn't one black. There wasn't a one black person. I lived in New York, and there was a plethora <laughs> yeah, of black people. <laughs> again, it's so true. So uh, she goes, "Is it a black thing with Larry David?" And he's like, "No, no, it's <laughs> there's no ba- it's a, black thing. It, <laughs> it's a nothing." That, and that's like such a Seinfeld line, like Jerry saying that black thing. It's a nothing. Yeah. Um, or or George. George. Yeah, you're right. That's a, so yeah. uh, the. The only black people that you can really think of is like he had like and even some of those are racist, like his um not Mr. Wilhelm, um but his oh, boss yeah. that he thought Sh- looked Sugar like Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, what's his name? Um and uh anyway, then there's the uh the the exterminator. Right, it's all the same episode. That yeah. Fumigates like yeah, so then he That's like, what we called him in college. Like, he gets his information. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh and then there's the guy who worked at um uh worked with Elaine. Um Yes. In I guess at Peterman's office maybe. It was yeah. in Peterman's office, um, yeah. Um 
so yeah, there were only a, a handful. Um, Oh, it's it's on the tip of my tongue because at the end of that episode, the the black bus boy comes over and he's like, "Yo," he's like, "Tell Sugar Ray Leonard he can make him a house anytime." He's like, and he runs away and he's just like, "Oh," he's like, he's screaming yeah. it. Um, look it yeah, look it up. Um, <laughs> anyway, so after Larry goes, "Yeah, it's a nut thing. It's it's not a black thing." Uh, the woman says, "I I think I have your number now." She keeps kind of ma- making these like you know threats almost. He's like, no, no, there's no, Larry goes, no, there's no number. You, you don't have a number. Uh, I just, so I just love his like responses in those moments where he's just like, he's using the same phrase, but then kind of just like being so dumb about it. Which is, there's, there's no number. Ah, I have your number now. Um, that's another phrase that people <laughs> use. Um, yeah. uh, that's so good. It's Miss Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Morgan. And I'm just like looking at like on Reddit. It's like never realized Mr. Morgan really did look uncannily <laughs> like Sugar Ray Leonard. George wasn't just being folksy. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of that too, right? He's just like, you know, they said folksy, you know, and Larry's trying to be right. affable. It's the same kind um, of thing. They're just trying to like, oh yeah, enjoy enjoy your <laughs> massage. But when they're taking the picture and he's just like, he's like, hey, did anyone tell you to tell you you look like Sugar Ray Leonard? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I bet we all look the similar, right, uh, the same to you, don't we, George, yeah. or whatever. And he's like, as they take the picture, he's like turning yeah. his head to the side. Like, it's so good. Because uh, the actor does look a lot like Sugar Ray Leonard, which I love. So, um, so Larry, of course, then, you know, the woman walks off uh, after this altercation. Larry's kind of defeated as he, as he kind of slumps into the men's room. Um, and then the next scene is back at the back at the Byzantine with Cheryl. She looks upset because it's obviously Larry took longer uh, than he probably should have. She sits down to kind of tell her, uh, her what happened that he was a he says he says she you know he tells Cheryl that he was accosted by a woman. And then just when he's about to explain what happened, wouldn't you know it, this guy Ted sees Larry and comes over to their table and. Uh, Ends up making awful, what sounds like awful small talk about golf uh, as the scene yeah. ends. But I, I love how when he approaches, he has this like weird thing. He's like kind of like soft spoken. He's like, hi, 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 Larry. How, how, how you doing? How are things? Oh, oh hi, how you doing? Oh, good, good, to, good to see you. Like he kind of does this like schmoozy thing, which um, maybe. And Larry, and like Larry just kind of like, like slumps down yeah. you know he's just like it couldn't, couldn't get, get any worse, worse. Yep. and then he starts asking him about golf and all of a sudden it sounds like he's inviting him out to play golf and of course I'm sure that's the last person that Larry wants to golf with among other people as we'll find out so that's kind of a short end to the restaurant scene we now um, they finished up dinner they're on their way to the pharmacy to get uh, Cheryl's uh, prescription filled so this pharmacy, I noticed from the from the outside, the establishing shot, it's called Long's Drugs, um, and this company was basically it was bought out by CVS in two thousand eight, okay. uh, but apparently there's still seventy stores holding strong in uh, Hawaii. Wow! So it makes it seem like it was like a, a Pacific, you know, coast type store, yeah. California, Hawaii. Um, but I don't think CVS maybe has much of a presence, if any, in Hawaii. So they probably allowed them to keep those stores functioning or wherever that works, obviously, when a company's bought out. But, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because obviously we're from, you know, Rhode Island, Massachusetts area. So it's kind of interesting when we see CVS, we don't think anything of it. It's, it's from out of Rhode Island. But at some point there were people that 
you know, at that time, like long struggs, they're probably they're now CVS. I would imagine out there. Well, it's all a write off for them. And they're the ones <laughs> running it off. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So that's good to know. Long's Pharmacy. Yeah. So it, it totally looks like a CVS. I mean, it's not like a small mom and pop thing. It looks like, you know, obviously a drugstore. Um, yeah. And <laughs> there there was probably, to use your term, more meat to be picked off the bone here. But there, the scene starts of seeing Larry and Cheryl waiting in line. I guess you can kind of assume they've maybe been waiting in line for a while. But the person in front of them is kind of an older, middle-aged guy. And uh, the, the the camera shot kind of just, like, shows the pharmacist just finishing up with this gentleman. I thought it could have been um, pretty good to maybe have this guy, like, asking, like, a shit ton of questions, you know, about the medication or whatever. Um, and frustrating, you know, Larry. And Larry then, like, lashes out. Um, yeah. But you almost kind of get that vibe. I mean, this pharmacist is going above and beyond, like, just trying to, both in this scene and the later scene, like, he's, like, he tells people, like, over, like, he goes, I don't know, like, I guess I don't get, I don't get prescriptions that often, so it's, like, I don't know if it's really like that, but he's, like, you know, this guy, he's, like, you know, talking, I think he's giving him an antibiotic, because it's, like, you know, talking about, like, um, you know, make sure you take the whole, the whole dose and finish it through, and says, you know, avoid dairy, but... You kind of get this idea that he's like he's not just like okay, Mr. Johnson, yeah, here's your pills. Make sure you read this on the inside, and here you right. go. Have a great night. He's like, like really, thorough. I want you to look at this, and I want you yeah. to do this. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah. So right, yeah. So you can kind of infer between those two things that it's like they've been waiting in line for a while. But I love how <clears throat> when the scene starts, you hear them having a conversation, which obviously sounds like about the restaurant. Is Larry's complaining about how. They put feta on his meal. He said, no feta. He's like, why do they have to put feta on everything? Um, which I can't stand. I hate feta cheese myself, so I can vouch for that. Um, that, you know, these, like, classy restaurants, it's like every, everything's with everything's feta with these Well, especially Greek. Yeah, yeah, right, especially Greek Yeah, especially right. Greek um, So <laughs> they get to the pharmacist that they're now being waited on. Larry starts realizing as Cheryl's telling the pharmacist, oh, I've so itchy after dermatitis i'm gonna be so happy to get this filled larry uh is kind of putting his hands in his pockets you can tell by his body language and by his demeanor that he can't find the script he realizes that when he pulls out what he thinks is the script it turns out to be a folded 20 dollar bill so all of a sudden it's realizing that he accidentally gave the folded up script to the hostess or to the maitre d excuse me and the $20 bill that was supposed to go to him is still sitting in his pocket. Um, and I, one of the lines that he says as he's trying to describe to Cheryl what's happened, he says, this was the 20 that was designated for the meter D. <laughs> designated, <laughs> designated, yeah. Um, so finally, he's just like, come on, let's go. And they go back to the restaurant. Um, in that uh, pharmacy scene, too, the pharmacist um, is played by William Mesnick, and he has a lot a lot of small roles. He was in Minority oh, Report. Wow. He was in the movie Batman Forever, and he was in that 70s show and Third Rock from nice. the Sun, were some of the ones that okay. he's been in. Yeah. Um, so now the scene... And he seemed like he, he seemed like he might have been in Seinfeld I know, too. He and looks I, like I, that. I was digging, and I couldn't find him. Yeah, but yeah, I couldn't see that huh. he had a role. Um. So now the scene changes to Larry and Cheryl. They're in the car heading back to the restaurant. But Larry <laughs> says to Cheryl, well, why don't you just call your doctor? And Cheryl <laughs> says, you can't 
uh, unless it's, quote, a life-threatening emergency. Can't call him on the weekends unless it's a life-threatening emergency. And Larry's just totally taken aback by that and just, like, thinks how shitty that policy is. And uh, he's like, what? And Cheryl's like, yeah, his machine says that you can't page him on the weekends. And he goes, that, Larry goes, that's obscene. Uh, <laughs> um, and then, of course, we get to one of our favorite uh uh, clips that we played at the opener here, um, where Larry starts mocking the the doctor, and then what I guess we can assume is the doctor's wife, uh, right? Right. So, uh, can, <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't disturb the doctor on the weekend. <laughs> and that's also a Seinfeld thing, right? The delicate yes, genius. Exactly. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. <laughs> Norman, is somebody calling? Who's calling? <laughs> 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 Better not get up from that table, Norman. <laughs> um, so I just love how he goes off on this riff, and Cheryl's just like begging him to stop and being like, "Can we turn on the I radio?" Know, I, I have that, <laughs> yeah, I have that note that he's like, he could really care less about yeah. Cheryl at this point. He's like riffing on this like story, this this yeah. idea right now. Yeah, uh, the be- I think the last one is Norman. Unless they were burned in a fire, I don't want you getting up from your chair. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah. That's like so yeah. absurd. This would burn in a fire. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, my my grandfather was a doctor when I was a kid. I, you know, he'd be like on call all the time, and you know, we'd be like out to eat it for like birthday parties or you know whatever birthday celebrations or God knows what, and he'd be like you know getting paged and having to like walk over to the payphone in the restaurant and like take a call and then sometimes having to go to the hospital in mid dinner if it was serious or whatever. Um, so like it's totally like bizarre to be like look like. I don't know. The, the Cheryl's symptoms to me yield an emergency in the sense that the more you're going to like itch, and if you can't control it, I can scratch like, myself. Yeah, that, to like death. obviously not going to happen. But like the more you're going to damage your skin, you know, the more you start inflaming it by scratching. Forever. Yeah, she's going to call. Yeah, she's going to create right. dermatitis. So, um, whatever it is, it's uh, it's probably needed. So. They're obviously they were on their way back to the restaurant as they were driving, and they Larry goes up to the Mater D and kind of apologizes, right, and says, um, you know, that he he accidentally gave the the script to him, supposed to be a twenty or whatever, and obviously the host figured it out, right? So he. I don't. I forget now. I didn't write this down. But did does Larry ask him if he still has it, or he just responds by saying where it is? Yeah, I think he just responds by saying where right, it is. Right, because he says you'll find it in a trash can through those double doors, pointing yep. to the kitchen. Um, and of course, the next scene I totally love because it brings again brings us brings me back to our catering days of what what, what we me called too. the swill bucket. Um, which was for us, it, it looked like maybe it that they, it was just a garbage bin for them and they put everything in there. But for us, we separated obviously what, what was like paper trash and stuff like that with food and liquid. So like the food and liquid would all go in one bucket, trash bucket can or whatever that we would call the swill bucket. And then we had our trash can, which was for dry, dry, um, goods, I guess. And, um, so the scene cuts to Larry and Cheryl hovering around this swill bucket filled with, you know, leftover food that 
have been cleaned off of people's plates as they right swipe off the food and then go to wash the plates in in the in the kitchen. So it's just filled to the brim of, you know, everybody's meals, right? It's like a, it's like a bit it's like a busy Friday or oh, Saturday night. So it's bad. Like, yeah. Um, my so yeah, it cuts to the scene and Larry's got his got his arms like you know, el- almost elbow deep in there trying to kind of dig through all of this like half eaten food and half drank you know wine and stuff. Um, and if that wasn't funny enough, I actually think what's funnier in this scene is that as he's doing that and him and Cheryl kind of start arguing, the bus boys are like they come over and they start just like using. <laughs> Layering the dishes <laughs> on top of Larry as yeah. he's basically got his hands in there, which I think is like insane, um, but obviously maybe a necessity. So it was pretty funny. Um, and Larry's just kind of as they're arguing, he's like, "Oh, this is great. Maybe you can lock me in a toilet next time." <laughs> which just that was a good line. <laughs> I was just like, you know, digging through the trash. Like the kitchen staff, or either first of all, they're not going to let him back of there and do that. Yeah. But even if they do, they're just like, okay, like, you're trying to find your wife's prescription that, like, they don't need to know how it got in the trash. Like, you're not going like, to find it. So they they would, they're not going to find it. But even if it was like, hey, it's like our prescription, like, whatever, mm-hmm. like, she needs it, they would give them gloves. And you would think that they would, like, move that trash barrel over and, like, right. get a new one that they can, like, fill up while he's Fair doing point. stuff. Um, and then I was also, like, as I was thinking about it, like, you know, if it, if it was, like, our catering company, like, it would, you know, somebody would came over to us and be like hey like these people lost their prescription can you dig through the trash and find it like that that would be like you would give that to somebody who's like making minimum wage like it'd be like like they, they could i could easily see like something like just like throwing a kid on it and be like hey dig through this trash for these people absolutely um yeah. it's it's great yeah the, the whole scene I, I i laugh when he's just like getting like they're just you can just tell they're so busy the guy's just like scraping it like <laughs> yeah. into them He's never gonna. He's never gonna find it. He can't yeah. catch up. He's already been. Gone I know. For so not long. only yeah. that, um, I just think if it's not clear to anybody listening, those that smells like that's it's disgusting to look at and disgusting to think about now in hindsight. But back when we were like in high school and college, it was like whatever. It was what it was. It was like the you know cost of doing business of having to like lift those fucking things up into the trucks and stuff. Uh, oh my god! Remember. Oh, when it would splash on you, yeah, yeah. You they would have like a wave, so it's like if like if it was yeah. really heavy, <laughs> yeah. and somebody would drop their <laughs> yeah, end yeah. first, the I wave would go towards them, and then you would drop yours, and it would like yeah. Splash I remember you. one time it got on so my like, face, had to be and I was like, oh, it's on my uh, face. And I was like freaking yeah. out. Uh, so bad. Well, we were always the worst because like our 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 dad, my my dad, who he is, he was just like we always got, I feel like the worst. There was one summer where it was like, uh, this, we call it swill buckets because like mm. the pig farmer used to come and he would take that right. for his pigs. Um, and people had like, it was a really busy weekend and people had just like loaded in front of the dumpster. So the guy couldn't come to take like the paper goods and stuff and like the dumpster trash because like they were just like half full and full swill buckets like right in front of it. So like me and my brothers had to like go out there like and move it all. And I remember like my older brother took like one of like the blue rags and like tied it over his face. <laughs> Um, and like just like to block the smell when he was like gagging like <laughs> the whole time and we were just like basically like shoveling so it off gross. and it was so gross it was like hot summer so like that's the thing too is like you would just like drive up and it'd be like you know all this food stuff that's been sitting <laughs> in the direct sunlight in like 90 plus yeah. degrees oh yeah I mean flies are baking. everywhere you know like it's uh, uh, yeah. so good yeah good t- good times <laughs> but um so yeah that was you know brought brought us back obviously but um 
so they're Larry and Cheryl are arguing and, and finally they're just like let you know Larry's kind of like well let's just go to an emergency room but Cheryl doesn't want to do that then Larry gets the idea and says oh wait Richard Lewis's friend that you know that he offended earlier in the episode is a dermatologist we're going to Richard's we're supposed to go to Richard's for dessert and coffee you know why don't we go there and, and see if we can kind of smooth things over and get this guy Dr. Grams to, to look at you so that brings us to um, scene eight which is or scene nine which is Richard's house and um, Cheryl and Larry get there Richard opens the door. Of course, he thinks he's about to host them for dessert and coffee and kind of social hour. Uh, goes in to hug Cheryl. Cheryl's like, "Oh, don't don't get too close." And you know, Richard's kind of wondering what's up. So they describe to Richard, you know, that she's got dermatitis. Everything that happened, they lost the script, and they were asking, you know, thinking maybe Doctor Grams could um, could help. And I love Richard how he's just like, "Just Justin," uh, and he goes, "Wow, I mean." You know, you can imagine you were like James Earl Ray today with this guy. <laughs> Again, I don't know where Richard has all of these great lines, but I don't know if yeah. you want to explain who James Earl Ray is. If you look up. I just have it that he's the man who's convicted for killing Martin Luther <laughs> yeah, King Jr. Yeah, he assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. So I just think <laughs> it's so over the top. Yeah. It's so over the top because it, obviously, like he made a very ill-timed, you know, um, improper joke about affirmative action to a, a black doctor. But to call him, oh, you were like James Earl Ray. Like he wasn't like he makes it seem like he was like foaming at the I mouth know. and like you know being a huge yeah bigot. yeah. Richard's totally um, exaggerated. Also, and before we we get any further, um, a couple things: the the lighting in Richard Lewis's house. Did you notice like the the sconce, it's very nice whatever yeah. Oh, it's like this weird, like this, like these bluish, mm-hmm. like weird lights and stuff. It's just yeah, nineties, like early nineties, um, late eighties. And then they talk about you know calling. We try to call a doctor, but we can't disturb him on the weekend. And you know, they, you know, Richard Lewis like, oh, you know, these people, we can't be bothered on the weekends. And I, as a doctor, you know, fuck these actors because they can't be bothered <laughs> either. True. We talked about this with like you know uh, Louis and yeah. Louis Dreyfus and how like she's like, you know, we talked about that like candidly like when we were doing that where it's like people don't want to be bothered to be like oh my my friend's a big fan you know my neighbor's a big fan can you come over and do this it's like no they're just trying to live their life and it's like doctors go to school for a long time they have office hours and then it's like they don't want to be disturbed when when right. they're not there because it's like you're constantly being bombarded i mean the amount of times i tell people i'm a chiropractor they're just like oh i got this thing on my back and it's just like half the times it's a joke but i'm just like no other prof- like there's other professions that are like that but it's like hey <laughs> Are you? Why don't you write some shit <laughs> exactly. for, me for free or whatever? Next time it's you're such in a, a good, hurry. yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's obviously something Larry's hung up on because he kind of ref, makes, you know, writes it into the show a few different times, but it's not just doctors like you said. It's <clears throat> could be celebrities, but also, um, my dad who works in telecommunications gets that a lot. So right, because he works for a ca- like a what people would refer to as a cable company, and um, you know, it's like he has nothing to do with like residents. It's nothing to do with like your internet at home or your cable or anything like that. He's on like the business service side. So, but nonetheless, when people find out that he works for if if they have that company as their cable or internet provider, they kind of start going off on like, oh yeah, the, well, this was happened and I didn't have internet and blah blah blah. And you know, my dad always kind of plays along. He's like, oh all right, well give me your address and stuff, and I can kind of like put a put a call in or something, but. Most of the time, he's just like fuck these people. Like, I'm not like I don't know. I barely oh, yeah. know these people. Why would I go out of my way to like call in a favor? You know, and it's just like they just think that like 
because he works for that company that they like somehow he like needs to hear about all the shitty things that the company's done um i think i had written like a blog post about like because what i do as a chiropractor is like different from like a lot of other people think what chiropractic is because i do a different technique and so people be like oh i'm gonna crack my back and you do this and you do that and i'm like that's such a a narrow-minded view of like what a whole profession is about and I, I use the reference point of like, you know, you could be a baker and people be like, oh, I love cupcakes. I love cupcakes. It's like, well, I, I bake bread. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't make sweet foods. Right. I make this. And it's just like, just because your idea is like, oh, you are for Comcast. Can you fix my, can you, can yeah. you fix my router? It's like, no, I, I'm yeah, in billing or exactly. I'm whatever. Like, you haven't even stopped to ask what I do. You just took the first thing. Oh, that's my one reference point. And I'm yeah. just going to hammer it home and. You know, Bill, Bill uh, you know, Brian Regan. <laughs> exactly. Me, me, me. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. Yeah. Um, so we di- we digress. But yeah. So if you can't tell, if you can't tell, I had a busy week <laughs> in the office and it's Friday and I don't, I don't want to be disturbed uh, this weekend. Can't, can't call the chiropractor on the weekends. Um, <laughs> so Richard um, kind of, you know, obviously realizes the situation. He, he agrees to call. The doctor and tries to smooth things over here and set something up for Cheryl. Um, so Richard realizes that his girlfriend, who's there, Sophia, as we saw earlier in the season, is on the phone. So Richard asks her like to kind of get off the phone. They got to make a call, um, and they start ar- arguing. Also, like I don't know, I keep cutting you off, but like Richard Lewis calls this a, a nightmare yes, call. Yes. When I love that, and when he's like, he's like, I'll call. He's like, man, this is you know, it's gonna be a nightmare call to make, and it's again that that time yeah. capsule, the ni- nice day sense. It's like we've all had these things where you're like, oh, I'm gonna dread this call, and it's like I should remember this and be like, oh, it's gonna be a nightmare. <laughs> this, call. Is the, this is the lunch <laughs> from hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Great point. So you know, they start arguing, and and <clears throat> Sophia finally slams the phone um, and walks off and says, are you are you happy? And uh, Richard's like, yeah, I'm happy. She's sick and you're not. <laughs> She's being, he's being like <laughs> a parent practically to this, and maybe rightly so because the age gap. But um, so Richard calls the doctor. I'm so fucking yeah. embarrassed by all this yeah. shit. Right, and as he's <laughs> dialing the number, he says that great line, and then just when he, you know, he's on the phone. Sophia comes storming back down from upstairs and goes, I just hung up on with my agent. And as she starts kind of yelling, Larry intervenes saying, you know, he's on the phone. It's a very important call. It's an emergency. Yeah, it's an emergency. Yeah. So Sophia's now Sophia and Larry get into it. And Sophia's like, hey, why don't you mind your own fucking business here? And she's got this very like New Jersey, you know, Guido thing. Um, and then <laughs> they start as as Richard's on the phone, not realizing that they're arguing, they start silently telling each other to fuck off um and they're like yeah. throwing up their middle fingers uh you know mouthing fuck you to each other um and i just <laughs> love larry because he's just like he does like the fuck you kind of thing with his mouth um where he like brings his lips he just yeah. lips it. Um, yeah so as they're doing that the silent fight it's that um <laughs> you see like sophia start to kind of again just with body language, challenge Larry to a fight. Like he's gonna, like she's gonna like kick his ass. And he's yeah, she puts yeah, up like her like hands come on, to be like, yeah. come here and or she, whatever. So he yeah. starts kind of mocking her, like, oh yeah, you gotta fight me. And then he starts mocking about her breasts because he like puts his hands up there, yeah, to like reference her fake her fake breasts. Um, so I love that scene, which is kind of like I forget some of the mannerisms that that they both do. Um, 
but it's at that point that that Richard gets off and says that yeah he'll see you at his house he doesn't want to prescribe over the phone it's unethical so they get the address for the doctor to head there um, and I love Larry he, how do you get there? how do I get there? I don't know. Call AAA. <laughs> was that a thing? Did you call AAA for direct? I guess you called AAA if you were lost, maybe on the side of the road. Well, I had a note. My mom still wants me to use AAA whenever I travel like out of state. She's always like, call. They have like this thing called like okay. a trip ticket. And whenever I was like in Florida or Georgia and I was coming home, she's like, call AAA. You got your membership, right? Yeah. Call AAA. Tell them you go- where you're going and you want a trip ticket. They'll send you a map, and they'll send you, like, they basically go on Google Maps, and they print it to you, and they send it to you. I'm like, I can That's take care amazing. of that myself. But I'll wait. And I'd get home, and she's just like, did you call AAA? I'm like, no. She's like, why didn't you call AAA? I'm like, I'm here. I made it. That's so good. She's like, yeah, I didn't need to. Here I am. That's Here great. I am. It, made, it worked out. I love that. Um, and, yeah, so, that, okay, so that makes sense then. Yeah, call AAA for a trip ticket. And this is early days of navigation as we'll see in a second you know certainly didn't have it on cell phones but even for in-car navigation which now is kind of finding its way out but even this was brand new like early 2000s was like the first you'd see this in in a car as an option um and we we know larry's car has it because he wanted all the options but he couldn't he didn't know how to use it earlier in the season right um he thought somebody would show him exactly so the best part is as they're leaving, Larry and Sophia make eye contact and they both say, uh, oh, nice to see you again and kind of play it off as if nothing happened because Richard wasn't wasn't cognizant of them fighting behind his back. So um, I'm not entirely sure. We don't see Sophia again after this because I don't think I we think do. We I think uh, at some point. We definitely don't for the rest yeah. of the season because this is season. This is right. episode nine. And I know episode 10. Richard. The, uh, yeah, I think Richard, Richard has yeah. a, a, I know for a fact Richard has a different girlfriend in season two, or a couple of girlfriends, so yeah. yeah. Um, so this will probably, I think this is, I think we see them fight as they're yeah, leaving, right? So we know on, that it's, on the outs. Yeah. it's pretty much over, yeah. Um, but she, she is oh. so rude, I mean, there's no one in their right mind that would, you know, they're like, hey, you know, if you're listening at all, it's like, oh, she has a rash, I gotta call the doctor, like, can you get off the phone? At the end of the day, too, it's like, you know, she had to hang up on her agent. Like, well, your agent takes a portion of your salary. Your agent kind of works for you. So you could easily just say, hey, can I call you right back? Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, no problem to be, like, I'm on the phone. This is also really important. I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. Um, yeah, I think uh, she's kind of a hot-headed, you know, bitch, basically. And she's been like that since we've known her. So, um <laughs> Yeah, you know, they don't they don't fare well. I love their pot. You're just like, yeah, you know, she's basically a <laughs> bitch. It's just <laughs> kind of one of those things. It's just like, yeah, I've been, you know, been there, done that. You're not going to fare well in most relationships, personal or professional. So, um, yeah. So then the next scene is Larry and, and Cheryl driving again. And it, and we hear a uh, right turn ahead. Right turn. Ahead. Ah! Da, da, da! Did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear it. The navigation system! I figured it out! It's working! It's telling us exactly how to go to the doctor's house! Ah! Oh, I can't wait to call my parents. They are gonna be so proud of me! When I tell my father I figured out that navigation system, he's gonna flip his wig! And he's got one too! 
Can we turn oh, on the radio? Oh, he's going to be very proud of Larry figuring out the navigation system. Please. Daddy, I'm not so stupid. Can we turn on the radio? No, because then we won't be able to hear the navigator. Right turn. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And Larry's just like, look at that. Did you hear that? And uh, he's pretty excited because <laughs> he finally got his navigation to work. Um, although it would have been funny to watch him fiddling with it as Cheryl gets like more infuriated because I'm sure it wasn't an easy, you know, figure, figure it out, you know, two button thing. Oh, totally. Um, but then the best, you know, Larry is like, I, I can't wait to call my parents. They're going to be so proud of me. When I tell my father <laughs> I figured it out, he's going to flip his wig. <laughs> he's got one too. <laughs> so this is where the Cheryl says the annoyed, like, can we turn on the radio? I, I thought it was earlier, but it's here. Because he's kind of going off on another riff. Um, and yeah. I love the last line. You, you, I think you quoted it before we started recording. But when when he's like, yeah. ooh. <laughs> what does he say? He says, yeah. Daddy, <laughs> I'm not so yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> They're <gonna be> very <laughs> proud. And it sounds like he's, I don't know what he's trying to mock. But it sounds very much like, I, I don't know, know it gives me this kind of old, old, like, old uncle great uncle great aunt like who's like very like i don't know over the top um i don't know it kind of comes off as like i can think of like older relatives when i was a kid who talked like that and did these kind of drag outs um they were kind of like pompous a little bit like a little i don't know what the word is but um i i don't i don't know like i'm right there with you like i i can't put a a word to it or i can't assign it to anybody in my family but we all kind of have that idea of you know what he's doing but it is it's it's some type of a generational gap where it's like somebody that would be you know proud of you and and it's the funny thing is like larry david is an an older gentleman and like it's like you know his his parents are still going to be proud of him for figuring out like the gps like exactly yeah so so good uh yeah (laughs) daddy i'm not so stupid uh But I just love the uh, those are that the other one with Norman and then this one like obviously still not caring about Cheryl like in the situation right. that she's in, um, but two great like monologues in the car. Oh yeah, I mean really he could he could certainly keep himself entertained by himself for hours on end. I would assume. Um, Easy. so <laughs> we show up uh, to Doctor Graham's house. The, uh, his wife answers. Larry and Cheryl kind of explain who they are. She, fig- you know, she's like, "Oh yeah, sure." Richard Lewis's friends. They come uh, walking into the house to find a group of all black people uh, discussing race uh, or discussing topics on race connected to race. So there's kind of some back, semi background conversations happening here. I don't know if you picked up on any of it before that. Before Larry and Cheryl are introduced to the group. No, I just got like there was one of the people seems like he's a professor, he's a physics professor at Caltech, and his name was like Professor uh, Roger, Roger yeah. or something like that. Um, but I didn't hear like the dialogue all that much, and for whatever reason, I think um, the I listened to the, mm-hmm. the subtitles, and I thought it picked up kind of like the conversation they were having on the way in, and not so much what they were talking about. But did you listen? Yeah, did so I was the same thing. I saw I was with the captions and. Um, they they are talking about um, <clears throat> about the black people or black community black people not trusting the medical community and they re- um, 
the doctor, I think, or the professor says the word experiment, which I keyed in on. So I'm assuming they're talking about the Tuskegee experiment, which um, Hmm. is a um, well-known experiment um, that was, it was the Tuskegee Institute, which I think is, might be called university now, is a um, research lab facility that was working with grant money and oversight from the uh, U.S. government on studying untreated syphilis. So <clears throat> basically it was a group of, um, out of Alabama, these you know poor black Americans who were studied and they were, you know, obviously those in the experimental group were not treated for the syphilis. So they were being observed for untreated syphilis. And of course, that doesn't end well for most people. Um, so the Tuskegee experiment, kind of a lot of things came from that, like uh, as it relates to more ethical behavior and experimental research, like informed consent. So like, you know, if it's something like that serious, like you have to um, you have to tell the 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 participant, you know, you have to kind of balance the amount of like what you tell them. Um, you know, you can't tell them everything, especially if it's like psychological, because that might distort, you know, your results. <clears throat> but certainly in a medical sense, you you have to tell them that like there's a risk that you might be put in this group. And if you're in that group, you know, you're not going to know. But if you're in that group, you're not going to be getting treated. You're going to be getting a placebo. Um, so because it was syphilis, which, you know, can eventually destroy the body and lead to death um that became a big problem but it was it went on for like 40 something years like from the 1930s to the 70s or something like to that effect oh that's yeah. crazy yeah syphilis is one of those odd um stis where like most people think of you know syphilis you know the primary stage is more mm-hmm. like in the genitals but then there's a secondary and a tertiary mm-hmm. stage and when it's in the tertiary stage that's when it can go up to yep. the brain um, and I mean, it just kind of like makes your brain more or less like mush. Like it's just really wrecks yep. havoc. Um, and like, obviously like you were saying like the longer that you have it and it goes untreated, um, the worse that the effects and the, the further it right. goes. So and, yeah. Yeah. And the crazy. problem was, is for most of the time, antibiotics were already around and, and relatively cheap. Um, so of course they could have been treated, you know, it would have been different if they didn't even have a cure and that's why they're studying it. That's a little bit different. But in this case, right. for the majority of that study, they had a cure. So, yeah, interesting stuff. <clears throat> but um, so I'm pretty sure that's what they're referencing, which would make sense, because when all of that came to fruition um, and because all of the participants were low income black Americans, that's kind of a big, you know, speaking of race relations, you know, that's that's one of the big kind of historical moments in time that, you know, you can talk about like systemic racism at well after the Civil War and after the emancipation um so kind of interesting there so i'm assuming when they say the experiment that's that must be what they're talking about but then of course that conversation stops because larry and cheryl are introduced to everybody um and you know stupidly larry you know well he thanks the doctor for allowing you know allowing them to come and see and then he stupidly apologizes to the doctor about the bad joke from earlier in the day but he does it in front of everybody else now, I think under normal circumstances, that wouldn't be an issue because most people don't like just like butt into a conversation, um, but obviously not these people. Well, it seems like they're having a very, what do you mean, these oh. people? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we'll, we'll re-record that part. 
It seems like they're having a very, like, uh, it seems like a group of very learned individuals, and it seems like they're digging into certain things, and it seems like, you know, it's not, it seems like a very different party than, like, um, you know, a party that I would go to with some of my friends from college, where it's like, we're all just trying to kick kick loose, and we're gonna have a couple beers, and just, like, chill out, and, like, you know, not get into anything super, super heavy. Um, this looks like it's like maybe something that happens pretty frequently where this group meets and they, they talk about, you know, you know, topic, you know, current topic events and stuff and basically dissect them. So they're probably very inquisitive when it comes to, Ooh, apologize for what, what, what happened earlier? And you are like, Oh, please come on, tell us, please please share with the group. You know what I mean? Like it's a very, I don't know. It seems like a kind of that, that quote unquote, like academia um, atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and like you're, I'm sure you have to get there too. But it makes it worse when Larry, you know, almost takes back the apology where he says like he's like I wish it was something. I know. <laughs> yeah, he nothing. like demeans. Yeah, you're right. He's like demeaning the incidents if it wasn't anything. Um, you're apologizing. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> apologizing yeah. for nothing. Um, and then the professor there, he's like, we we'd like to hear. Um, yeah, so they're yeah. all kind of pressuring him, and he's really uncomfortable, of course, naturally. Most of us probably would. <clears throat> so Larry starts finally telling the story after the doctor says, all right, he'll tell you, but then we'll but move yeah, on, right? Yeah, we'll move on. Because um, he's uncomfortable as well. Yeah, and he was very much like when he when Larry apologized to him, and he's like, he's like I think I overreacted. Right. So they're both kind of like... Which that would cue, you know, and I lo- I yeah. love when that happens where it's like you both kind of like, hey, I'm sorry. It's like, hey, I'm sorry too. Like it was just like, you know, whatever. That, um, but yeah. maybe you're maybe I think you're right where they were like, well, he's apologizing. Yeah, he's saying so he something serious. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So maybe yeah. that was the key key term that people jumped on. So, <laughs> so Larry starts telling the story, and of course he's kind of beating around the bush to use the term that that woman says. Uh, don't beat around yeah. the bush, Larry. Like they're so like aggressive to try to like get out what happened. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So weird. Yeah. I which I, I don't like. And, um, yeah. And the doctor's uncomfortable. And that's usually when he's like he, when he starts telling that story, and then he's like, he's you know he's running by. He's, he's in great shape, this <laughs> yeah. guy. You know, and that's when he gets all the come yeah. on, let's go. Let's yeah. Not beat it's around so the bush. strange. So then, uh, so he tells the punchline. He actually tells the punchline a little bit better this time. Uh, he says it differently. He says, you let this guy work on you even with the whole affirmative action or even with affirmative action or something like that. So like I, you know, he kind of changes yeah. the, the punchline a little bit. Um, and the best part is Cheryl is silent and Cheryl's like nervously laughing, which is so Yeah, dead. which is not make it worse because it's like a room full of black people and just told a joke <laughs> again that he's apologizing <laughs> for. laughing. And it's like the only two white people are laughing at it. Oh, it's so good. But I'm like that. I get I nervously laugh in, in like really awkward social situations because I think of like because I start thinking like how curb like it, it is or whatever. And it's it just like it's so uncomfortable. Um, so yeah. I'd probably be in Cheryl's boat at that point. Um, and of course, <clears throat> They want to know if Larry is in favor of affirmative action. And he, in true, like, Larry fashion, goes, like, above and beyond and, like, overboard. And he's like, are you kidding? I don't think white people should have anything. (laughs) They should be sleeping on streets (laughs) eating crumbs for the next 200 years. And, like, again, obviously he's, they're laughing because they're, like, he's trying to kind of overcompensate and he's joking. But then he's like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious, you know. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of shake it off. He's like, something like, he's like, almost something like, that's just a start yeah. or something like that. Or he's like, yeah. yeah. He's, so, yeah. you know, they kind of laugh at it and shake it off. And then the doctor tries to change the subject and 
says, all right. He's like, let's yeah. look at your arm or something. He's like, he wants to go. Let's move on. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. So just when you think all is well, this woman who wasn't in the room at the time here comes kind of walking around the corner and uh, it turns out that it's the same black woman that accosted Larry at the Mexican restaurant. And she goes, Larry, Mr. Larry David, twice in one evening, I'm on a roll. And uh, it was just a great line. And um, yep. she goes on to explain to the rest of the group, oh, this man refused to hire a quote, a sister because he's a racist, a bona fide racist. And uh, <laughs> and really, as you hear her explain, the camera cuts to Larry, and I just love this. The camera cuts to Larry and sees his face of, again, just like sheer defeat. But the camera just stays on him. It doesn't even cut to the rest of the group. And you can assume what they're doing. They're probably just all staring at Larry like in disappointment or anger or worse. Um, and nothing else is said. You just now see after that, the next scene is, of course, Larry and Cheryl back driving again and and Cheryl's itching herself like crazy or scratching herself like crazy so you can assume it was like a get the hell out of my house oh definitely um I am forgetting um actually a couple things uh uh uh, two actors that we're gonna talk about so um I'm actually I forgot him in the beginning professor or the doctor yeah, so I'm going to introduce um, the doctor. Uh, so Dr. Justin Graham is played by actor Greg Daniel, and he has over 100 acting credits. And his biggest role, like as of late, was he was in True Blood. Um, he was kind of like had a re- recurring role on that. Um, and then his wife, um, his wife is played, her, her name is Donna in the show, and she's played by Donna Cooper. Um, and she had a lot of small TV roles, uh, The Shield, One Tree Hill, Boston Common came through again. Um, and so that was them. But interestingly enough, when you go to look at the other people, um, they're like, they're not like really credited. It's really, um, it's weird. Like they don't have like IMDB profiles. So I don't have anything else for the other people. Cause even I the ones, even the were. ones who had a couple of lines. Yeah, it's similar to like some of the other ones we've done where people have had like speaking roles, but then like they don't have anything. Um, the other thing that I did notice um, that's really important was um, Donna, who plays Donna Cooper. I she in her credits, she actually played the receptionist in the Curb Your Enthusiasm special. Oh wow! Okay. Which we are horrible hosts because we need to watch that episode because I've. I've either watched it a long time ago or I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we long should time. do a special episode on on that episode. Um, so that's good to know. So like, so like in terms of the cast, it says like, um, at least they don't have like pictures. Okay, so like if you look, so I'll go through one. Um, it just they're all listed as party guests. So like Kenneth W. Watts, um, he was in Mystery Men. He played hmm. Pig. Um, he was in Melrose Place, and then he was in this Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. Then there's Rachel Smith. Um, she was in NYPD Blue. Um, I think she's the don't beat around the bush girl, I think. That, I mean, she doesn't even have like a profile picture, so it's hard to... Then there's Tyrone, Alonzo, and that's all he's in is in this show. He doesn't have anything else. There's William Mesnick. And he was in Minority Report, 
Oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's the pharmacist. He also doesn't have like a profile. It's just like no picture. There's Monica McKinley, who's also listed as a party guest, but this is her only credited role. There's Gina Jackson, also listed as party guest. Um, she's been in nothing I know. Oh, the Young and the Restless, mm. General oh, Hospital. Yeah, um, yeah, so maybe some older stuff too. Um, and then there is Robert E. Collier, um, as also party guest, but that's the only thing he's been in. And then there's another one, um, Kevin Brewerton, and he's also listed as party guest. A party guest. He was in The Fifth Element. He was in Hackers. He was in. Yeah, I, nothing. Nothing really else. So yeah, it's kind of weird because, like, usually when you go to there, they have like their profile, they have like pictures and stuff, and like there's just like a bunch of like no, they the actors themselves they've been credited, but they don't even have an ID oh, weird. profile. Yeah, we'll have to just like start yeah. searching their names on Facebook or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Match them up. Uh, maybe we can get them here for an interview. That'd be fun. So, um, you get to, uh, the next scene, of course, is Larry and Cheryl driving. Cheryl's still itching. Um, Larry says, we need to call the doctor. Cheryl says, I can't. He goes, what's the worst that could happen? What's he going to do? Kill us? Which I feel like is a go-to Larry David-like line. What was, you know, what are we going to do? Die? What are we, was he going to do? Kill us? Well, it's also kind of comical because it's, you know, it, it reminds me of the, the suicide note. Would it kill her to yes. left the note? <laughs> so here's this doctor that you can't call on the weekend unless it's life-threatening. If you call on the weekend, what's the worst you can do? Can you kill it? You know, oh, can you really kill you? Well, that, that'd be ironic. Now there's a doctor killing you, which would be right. life-threatening. Um, right. So it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mind blown. Um, I do like the Kramer thing right now. <laughs> you just blew my mind. So, because uh, <laughs> your head's spinning like a top. Oh, the the music. Oh, it's in great. Scene, so the too. whole thing, and it didn't hit me at first until I sat there, and, and the music was what cued me. But so right there, the next scene is they're they're waiting at home, and the music kicks in, and it's this. It just says the caption said ominous music, right? Um, but it's like Alfred Hitchcock style. Um, oh, it's, or it's psycho, psycho theme, theme, yeah. And um, yeah. so. The camera shots too are. I don't know if you picked up on that. So like, are are Alfred Hitchcock's what? Hitchcock style shots? So in Psycho, but also in some of his other flicks, where um, the camera would tilt at a object or at a person's yeah. face, um, and then they would have these like zoom in shots of people or zoom outs. Um, so like, yeah. like you'll notice like the camera honed in on like the phone at one point, and then it's like honed in on like Cheryl or Larry's like laying down right so there although like the scenes aren't like scary the the you know thriller the the, kind of the thrill of like the psychological thriller that's what I think they're like kind of going after of like the anticipation of getting the call back from the doctor because Cheryl pages him yeah when we went to visit my friend out in um uh, San Francisco, we went to, I forget the name of the neighborhood now, it's the, uh, like, they're, they're famously, like, gay district there, but they had a, a an awesome, um, like, theater there, and, like, actually had, like, a guy that would come up and, like, play, like, the organ and stuff like that, but we watched, um, Vertigo oh, nice. by Alfred Hitchcock, and, um, which was, like, it's filmed, like, in yeah. San Francisco, which is really cool, but there's that famous shot of, like, you know, of, like, him, like, falling, and some of the other shots were, like, he, 
he was so iconic in the way that he filmed that they still use some of the ways that, you know, like you said, like it, you just watch that and with the, even without the music, yeah. it's just, yeah, the tech, um, the it's just iconic, iconic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very cool stuff. So, um, there are some good shots in, in that segment of like, there's a shot of Cheryl scratching herself with Larry behind her is like scratching her back and stuff. It's pretty, <laughs> almost like, almost like the psycho with like the knife like coming down kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the phone finally rings and uh, Cheryl uh, screams, Dad, I can't talk to you right now, and, and just hangs up, um, which we've right. met her parents once now so far. Um, then the phone rings. And this also dates the show because there's no call waiting. Right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah, rotary phone. And that's also from the – and then there's from the Seinfeld where it's uh, – <laughs> Yes, I yes I do have call waiting, but I don't trust it. <laughs> exactly, <in an> exactly. <laughs> the phone's a piece of junk. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, so <laughs> the fun, <laughs> that's from uh, that's the uh, the alarm um, with what's his name, right? Running the marathon. Uh, Is it or no? What when he's like, I have call waiting, but I don't trust it in an emergency. He's waiting for a phone call. I think it's the one where he's waiting for the phone call for like the the tickets to go to the hockey game. Oh, you but might could be, be right. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Kramer, this phone's a piece of junk. Goodbye. <laughs> well, that's, that's from the, the outing. Because yeah. it's it's uh, it's Jerry's birthday, and he gets him he gets him the the, the phone that has right. the two way calling. Um, and then <laughs> the the reporter is writing that article on him because she she thinks right, him right. and, and there was again, bleed between the lines. So she heard the yeah. conversation of. <laughs> I love That's that episode, but like definitely when he comes back and George is just like, I heard everything you just said on the line. <laughs> That's good. And then he's like, "Let me call Kramer to check it out." He's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> um, so anyway, we yeah we digress on Seinfeld here. It's a lot of good stuff, yes. but so the phone finally rings again, and it's Doctor Zeppler is the name. And Cheryl says, hi, you know, it's Cheryl David. Uh, she explains that she lost a prescription from today. She needs another one. And again, the tactic I love so much with phone calls on this show is just the one-sided phone call. All you hear Cheryl respond is, a life-threatening emergency? <laughs> and then Larry's face is like, what the fuck? So she goes, I feel like I could I could scratch myself to death. Um so the conversation ends where obviously he calls in uh, a prescription to the pharmacy and you hear Cheryl say, no, I, I won't ever call you again on the weekend. And the call ends and Larry's just like, oh my God, you know, what an asshole. We're not going back to him again kind of deal. Um, which that's just, again, as we've already covered, that's just pure insanity. Um, but oft- also kind of funny. And Larry beats beats this like a dead horse throughout the series because we have lots of other run-ins with doctors where Larry wants the doctor's like home address or home phone, um, these types of kind of social uh, norm violations um, or professional relationship violations. Um, I'm I'm looking at um, Seinfeld scripts because what you just said just remind me like the doctor's name. Also from the Slicer episode, um, when he's dating Dr. Yeah. Sarides, and he has he has like the contact dermatitis or whatever, um, and it's from uh, Kramer is cleaning his slicer with the yeah. with the rag, and he's using it. It's his face cloth. He's been trying to find a dermatologist, and he's going through the phone book, 
and he's in the Z's. And I'm trying to think because I think it is Dr. Zeppler. He's like he's like he I can't he's like it's so hard to find a good dermatologist in the city. I can't oh, find wow. one. I know. So if I can't find it, then maybe I'll post. Yeah, it or something. that's pretty cool. You got a good memory on that. <laughs> well, so we'll continue as you keep looking that up. So we get to the final, uh, almost final scene, I should say, second to last scene at the pharmacy. Back to the pharmacy. Larry uh, is alone. Cheryl stayed home. She's going to take a bath maybe to try to help the itching. Um, and, of course, Larry sees there's a long line, and he kind of walks up to the front and asks the pharmacist. Oh, all right. Um, all right, I want you to... Excuse me, I'm sorry to talk. My, my uh, doctor called in a prescription for my wife. Your name? name? David. David. Yeah, Dr. Zappler. Zapp- oh, Zappler, yes, uh, we got that. It's going to be about uh, 45 minutes to an hour, okay? Uh, Mr. Brazil. I mean, she's really, it's really an emergency. I'm, I'm not kidding. She's really scratching. She's broken out all over. Sir. It's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour. You see, we have a backup. Okay. Just read all the indications. It's very important. Pay for that up front. Okay. Okay. Uh, next is Gaiaphone. Gaiaphone. Oh, okay. All right. This is pretty simple, but I want to, want to make sure that you read all the... Uh, Okay, uh, I haven't forgotten about you, Mr. Philpot. It's just gonna be a couple more minutes. I'm not quite ready for you. Need to get straightened um, out. I'm sorry, uh, yes. Is there anything gonna be done about this? Done? I don't understand. You know, I hear things are done. Things are done. What is this? Are you trying to bribe no. me? No. You think you can bribe no, me? Do I, I look like I can be bribed? No, I was paying Are you trying advance. to bribe a pharmacist? No, no I'm paying in advance. But... Take your money. Nobody bribes a pharmacist. Get out right now. I'm so, I'm. Security. 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 I'll remember you, buddy. Just when you kind of think Larry's about to just kind of sit there and be like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to get in line and wait. He gets the idea about reusing the $20 that got left in his pocket for the Mater D, he thinks, well, I'll bribe the pharmacist so he can get his script, basically bribe him to cut the line. So he kind of does the same shtick, like things are done, right? Like he like says these lines <laughs> and that the pharmacist has no fucking idea what he's talking about. So he, but right. so that should have been the cue to be like, oh, okay, this probably isn't going to work. But he continues and he kind of slips the $20 to the, to the pharmacist the pharmacist grabs it and kind of like looks at it and goes like, well, what's this? Um, and then he just loses his shit. He's just like, are you trying to bribe me? Do I look like I could be bribed? Like he gets so offended. <laughs> um, and my the best lines are at the end when he's like, nobody bribes a pharmacist. So like, why is a pharmacist like somehow like, Above. yeah, I mean, bribery, bribery in the service industry, in the service industries it's pretty, you know, standard procedure of like the idea is that somebody providing you a service can be bribed for the speed or efficiency or when that service should be provided. So why would a pharmacist be any different? Right. Yeah, I mean, so it's like it's healthcare, but <clears throat> you hear people in healthcare all the time that, that do shady stuff. And we just talked about everything with like syphilis. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like that shit happens. I mean, that was a while ago, but... I mean, I'm I'm one to believe that that stuff happens probably a lot more than people think it does. Yeah. So, so bribe uh, 
bribing a pharmacist, like bribing anybody is probably shady no matter what it what it's for. So it's like to me, I don't see the, the real the difference. So on that front, I get Larry's perspective. But on the front of you shouldn't be bribing anybody anyway, it's just play by the rules. Right. It's so funny when you talk about bribe and I, I think about um, when I was, I don't know how old I was, maybe like in middle school and um, we had like this like computer RPG game and you would go up to people and like it would have like you could have conversations with people and one of the buttons said like, <laughs> bribe and we didn't know, like we were like afraid to do it because it's like it was one of those games that if you like, if you did good things then you went down a certain path and if you did bad things you went down a certain path and like we were like, <clears throat> I remember like we went up to our dad and we're like, dad, like what's, what's a bribe? And he was like telling us, and we're like, we're like, well, in this context, it says bribe. Like, are we bribing? Like, how does yeah. this work? And it was so vague because I didn't know if like we were gonna like give them money or if they were gonna like extort a bribe <laughs> from them or whatever. Um, but yeah, there is that like you kind of to your point where it's like both parties have to be right. in on the bribe for the bribe to work. Usually, when a bribe's happening, there's a level of um, usually an authoritative. Yeah maybe type yep. of position like or a gatekeeper yeah, exactly, type of position exactly um yeah so yeah it's so this guy flips out so good for him you know he's high high ethical <laughs> standards yeah he he's flips like, his wig remember you buddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he's banned yeah, yeah. At, at first larry kind of tries to fight him you know over it not physically i mean and and he immediately like just grabs the phone and like pages for security like what like i've never seen security in a cvs or a pharmacy i didn't um, no, and uh, anyway, so he flips out, kicks Larry out of the store without without the filled prescription. And the final scene is Larry returning home, closing the door and starting to walk up the stairs. And all you hear in the background is like frantic scratching uh, of Cheryl. So Larry just kind of slumped over, slowly walking up the stairs in defeat. And all in the background, you just hear is the scratching. And then, of course, cue, frolic, the theme, end, episode, and scene. And that's Affirmative Action, episode nine, season one. Nice. I would like to take a moment before we get into the overall notes. I did some research on Seinfeld while we were talking. Um, and I was wrong when it wasn't the Slicer episode. What I was thinking of is when he can't go to Dr. City Reads anymore and he's having a hard time finding a dermatologist. And Jerry tells George, do you have any idea how hard it is to find a dermatologist in this town? And then George, uh, Kramer enters with his white lab coat and then he says, a real dermatologist. <laughs> yes. But what I was what I was thinking of was the, the package episode when Elaine's being a difficult patient. Oh. And um, I'm trying to find it. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Jerry's talking to Elaine and because um, she can't find anybody who has an appointment. And so Jerry says, still no luck. And Elaine says, Jerry, I'm at Dr. Zimmerman. I'm at the end of the belt alphabet. And Jerry says, there's no Zorn or Zutraf. And he said, she goes, they're on vacation. Every doctor in the city seems to know who I am. Jerry says, what about Dr. Resnick? My uncle Leo is going <laughs> to see him tomorrow. Elaine says, Dr. Resnick, he's not listed. Jerry says, he's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I, I remember that episode, yeah. Yeah. But with the, you know the doctor's name being Z, I just think of like you know going A to Z in the phone book and trying to find uh, oh, going to find man, a doctor. But I, I was mixed on my episodes. Yeah, that was like that was like six degrees of like curve Seinfeld oh, separation. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's hard. Yeah, there's there's a lot of blending. You know, no, 
you know, yeah. So we might, might, we're gonna have lots of those um, scenarios. Anyway, so what do you, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, my um, my question to you, Ray, is after watching this episode, would you watch this episode even with the whole affirmative action thing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I would. I would. I I I really like this episode a lot. I love. Um, again, I just any any time, and of course, there's tons of it in the series. But anytime there is comedy or comedic relief around tab, you know, taboo subjects like race, religion, sex, whatever, gender stuff. Um, I just love that because, uh, you know, there's always in society, there's always a balance of between people who are a little bit more conservative. So you'd feel, you know, maybe less likely to want to talk about those subjects. And then there are people who are more open to talking about those subjects, whether it be in joking or serious manner. So, um, yeah, more liberal, exactly. Like you and me. Um, so I like the um, I like the idea of you know again making people feel uncomfortable with with jokes like that. I mean, it's one 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 of the reasons why um, you know if you think about some of the best comedians, you know, with the, with exceptions of like Brian Regan, who's funny but kind of does like clean comedy um, or doesn't really necessarily get into like taboo or touchy subjects. But for the most part, if you think about some of like the best stand-up comedians or comedic writers, I mean. Those are the types of, those those are the bones that they're ripping a lot of meat off of in in creative ways. Yeah, I, I agree with you too. Um, I want my my thought process when I was watching this is just like especially everything that's going on now with like the Black Lives Matter movement and getting into an election year is just like, um, you know, I think as most Caucasians, like I, I I know there's like a little bit of like white guilt out there, like people you know, throw you, that around. So Caucasian? watching an episode like this, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm your Caucasian, but there's um, you know, it's just it can be uncomfortable to watch, but like kind of like what you were saying, like, you know, it's it's comedy is a great vehicle to take these issues that seems like it's that we can't talk about them, and then kind of paint, you know, talk about them and whether it's a, a stand-up bit or whether it's a TV show like this where it's like you have people of, of color and you have, and you have you know, you talk about these big issues and it's like you kind of like, you don't make a joke of it, but you can kind of like laugh on both sides yeah. of it. Um, and I think when sometimes when you get to do that, you kind of, you make a, this gap that's, you know, not to get too heavy, but this like widened gap and you, got, you just kind of narrow it a little bit because you can kind of see both sides of it um, through a comedic light. Um, I do like Richard Lewis and Larry, you know, their conversation, they kind of have like that romance that you don't really see later on. Um, you get to see like Sophia's, their relationship that's obviously going sideways. And I, I think we talked about, we won't see her again. Um, and I think my favorite thing about this episode though, is, um, is Larry in the car, both, um, you know, with talking about the doctor being disturbed on the weekends and then the figure out the GPS, uh, those monologues oh, are so just good, fantastic. Man. And and, and Cheryl is just absolutely in agony, and he could care less because <laughs> he's just right. having fun. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a strong episode. It's stronger than I remember. Um, now that I'm kind of viewing it through the prism of like season, you know, just this first season. Um, so yeah. it's certainly you know as we get to the end here, I know I've made like comments of like feeling like oh this is a stronger episode. This would probably be my top, whatever three of the season or whatever. I, this is you know going to be up there for sure. So. It'll be fun to do the season recap in a, in a few episodes, a couple of episodes away. Yeah, no, to that point, I was just going to say, um, next week we're covering the yes. finale of yeah. season one, which sounds crazy because, um, 
yeah, we started this a while ago, and, and so it's kind of interesting that we're coming on to the finale of the first season, and that'll be kind of a good point to look and be like, okay, how's this show come along, and are, are we happy with how it's going, and then also like to do like a recap, like I think we've talked about, and um, yeah, it's coming oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, next week's episode's a class. So good. So funny. <laughs> Again, talk about <laughs> taboo subjects. He's in, yeah. He's, Yes. Yeah, this this season hits yeah. hard at the end. For so sure. anyway, well, looking forward to uh, getting together again. And uh, don't remember, uh, or don't forget, excuse me, don't remember, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> don't forget to uh, find us on Facebook. Uh, we got a um, uh, page. You can like us and uh, feel free to join our fan club group, which is kind of a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan group slash podcast fan group Um you know, try to post funny things, your favorite favorite moments from Curb, all that good stuff, and uh, get a good dialogue going with some of the people, uh, some of our listeners. But most importantly, guys, please uh, review us or um, rate us, I should say, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wh- whatever platform you guys listen to us on. I know there's a few of you overseas um, listening to us with some other platforms, so please feel free to um, give us, uh, you know, five stars. Um, and, uh, if you don't like us, just don't review us. Just stop listening. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. Uh, yeah, yeah nobody's easier. forcing you. I hope. <laughs> um, or maybe we're so bad that maybe like, maybe there's like CIA officers like in black sites somewhere just like using this to torture uh, people. They yeah. just like put us on. Like, like water, <laughs> waterboarding. <laughs> like, no, like that, that yeah. wasn't as effective. Like it's, this is effective, you know, like they've switched now to like more deranged ways and just like. We're like, you know, we're not going to put metal, progressive metal on, like, full blast. We're just going to, like, make you listen to 16 hours of these two idiots talk about a show you've never seen before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, anyway, either way, whatever's happening, rate us. We want to get pushed up the uh, the list. We're trying to become social uh, influencers. Um, so, please help <laughs> us out. And if... In a- to that point too if you are being tortured like you know you can put that in the review in a very cryptic way and like ray and i will like w- once we can leave our country we'll come right yeah you're you, just so. gonna give us a sign you know say something like uh take your kids out of school, oh, take your kids out of school. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so, yeah let's right, get out of here all right uh <laughs> see you guys next week later bye Do You Respect Wood is not endorsed by HBO. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Curb Your Enthusiasm, all its names, characters, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. 